Yo, yo, what's up? This is Patrick James, host of the Raw and Relentless podcast. If you're listening to this, it means that you're listening to the audio version of hashtag Raw and Relentless. Welcome to the show and welcome to the podcast. And I'm really excited to start this journey with you. Episode one, let's get it. I've got a really cool guest. His name is Bridger Rogers. Now, Bridger is a 19-year-old fitness phenom who against all odds survived Lyme disease and started a six-figure coaching business from scratch. He's 19 years old and he's already making six figures. How crazy is that? So sit back, relax, and enjoy yourself some R&R. Fucking, we, we've met a couple times. Yesterday was the second time we've officially met, but I told you the first time I even heard the name Bridger Rogers. Yep. Earlier this year, I'm on a coaching call with a, with a, um, a guy who apparently used to be one of your clients as well. Yep. Uh, cause I'm a dating coach and you're a fitness coach. Yep. And, um, so I was on a coaching call with this guy and I was helping him brainstorm ideas for how to move his business online and what niche he really wanted to niche down into. And he was like, man, I don't know. And, uh, I was like, well, who do you follow? What other influencers other than me do you follow? Maybe we can look to them for examples on, and just see what you're interested in. And he's like, well, I follow this guy named Bridger Rogers. Have you ever heard of him? So I was like, I was literally sitting in this chair. It was a different spot in this exact room. And I was like, all right, let me look at Bridger Rogers. And I was like, oh, yeah, this guy's crushing. He has like all these followers. And uh, yeah, man, he, he has an online business. His business runs very similar to mine. He'd be a perfect person um, to almost always also take as another example of like who to model in this space if you want to create a business. And so shortly after that, um, we have friends of friends that I didn't know about. And you, you moved to Scottsdale, which is where these are my roots, man, where I got my game <laughs> and, uh, and yep. through mutual friends. Now we're connected and here you are on the podcast. Dude, hundred percent, man. Thank you for having me on, bro. Of Pons. course. First podcast ever. It's going to be good. This is your first podcast ever. Third pos- first podcast ever. We're going to get straight into it. We're and keep it raw, real. <laughs> keep it raw in your 50 years of experience. This is your first <laughs> podcast ever. I'm on, I feel honored. Dude, I've been waiting years, years. Listen, listen, I've been waiting years. <laughs> Years to reveal my secrets. Now we're going to do it. Listen, we're going to do it. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be simply incredible. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, um, yeah, man, I think what is going to blow a lot of people's minds if they're listening to this right now, they're going to go, yeah, Bridger's crushing it online. He's ripped or whatever. He's probably, you know, in his 20s, 30s, has a degree. Um, let's blow these guys' minds real quick. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, First so, podcast ever. Dude, yeah, so... Well, per- first off, you should know I'm definitely not 20 or 30. I'm actually 19. I turn 20 in September. But, you know, the thing about uh, success is it doesn't matter how old you are, right? The marketplace doesn't care how old you are. It cares what value you can bring to it, and it cares how long you've been there. And so I've been, you know, studying internet marketing, and, you know, I first ran into Ty Lopez, uh, you know, Grego Gallagher uh, in 2015 when I was 14, started studying their stuff. I really started to kind of get into that and starting my Instagram right after overcoming a huge, huge, uh, severe illness I had, uh, that really left me bedridden for 18 months and three semesters out of school. So that's a pretty crazy experience that I had. And I, we ended up, uh, you know, after dropping out of school, we ended up figuring out that I had Lyme disease, you know, as most of you know, you know, Justin Bieber had that on his, yeah. uh, you know, podcast. So the disease is no joke. It's no joke. And, and you get it just from, you know, mosquitoes, spiders. And so I actually remember when I was younger, my mom thinks she remembers the exact time that I got it, which was, I got this like spider bite 
and like it was like I was like Spider Man, bro. It like blew up. It was like all discolored and stuff. So that was where the Lyme disease came from. Was that spider? Yeah. So what people who are listening to this right now don't know is like you told me the full story in detail yesterday when we went to launch your coffee together uh, and we got to know each other's stories pretty well. And I think that what you just did now is kind of like the, the broad strokes overview. Uh, I think it'd be interesting to go deeper because literally we were filming a podcast for my other channel right before you got here. And we kind of came to the conclusion that I've always had a chip on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. And I it was the same story as like why I had, had it, the same story that I told you yesterday. Like that's a lot of the reason why. And so why don't we go into like more detail? Tell us about like where you started because this leads to you eventually becoming a high schooler who's mm-hmm. now working with your dream fucking celebrity influencer yeah. and you're getting shout outs on, on the internet and all your people in your small town in Idaho were doubting you, yep. but it's really just started with this kid who wanted to get better at basketball, yep. which is kind of funny because that's not at all where the story ends. So yep. let's start at the fucking beginning. I want to see let's where the it. chip on the shoulder started. Yeah, 100%. So the chip on the shoulder started, I'm a small town kid from Idaho, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And, you know, it really started where I was homeschooled for the first 10 years of my life. You know, I live out in the middle of nowhere, 20, 30 minutes from any town where I can get groceries or whatever. You know, I'm literally got, you know, animals and the wilderness as my backyard, you know, homeschooled, I'm there every day. And so they have these these homeschool co-ops for kids that are homeschooled so that they learn social skills. So once a week, it's kind of like you have a real school to go to, right? And so that's where it kind of started is I was going to this homeschool co-op started in middle school and started getting in this friend group and right at lunch, you know, we'd go play basketball. And when we played basketball, I'd never really played basketball before. And so everyone else had been playing since they were little kids. And so I was the worst player on, you know, the teams during lunch. And it sucked because I'm very competitive. I love to compete. I love to win. And when you're the worst player, you know, it's kind of like that classic movie, right? So you see, you know, the kid getting picked last, getting picked on, stuff like that. So that was me. I had that chip on my shoulder. I wasn't the best. I wasn't somebody that was looked up to or respected or admired. And so immediately that put a fire in me to get better. And so I started searching for a way on YouTube to get better, right? And so I start Googling different basketball drills and I start training on my free time with a ball. I get a ball start practicing, start training. And then sure enough, I saved up some money working for my dad outside, splitting firewood or whatever. And I invested in my first online program, which was, uh, I believe it was elite guard training. Yeah. And so did we ever remember the name? Taylor, of his name's Taylor. Taylor. It was the same dude. Yeah. yeah. It's the same dude, huh? Yeah. Cause, uh, literally if we go back, this is what, five, six years ago. Yeah. Five, six years ago, that was kind of when I got into online marketing too. And it was ironic that me and him both realized that our first exposure to someone having an online business where they give advice as a coach was when we both actually got on this guy's basketball program. Dude, that's mad funny, yeah. bro. That's at the same insane. time. Yeah, at the, dude, he was crushing it. Mm. He was probably doing a couple mil, 100% back then. He, he was crushing it. So I remember I spent the last of my money, like it was like 297 bucks or 497, one of the two. Bought this program and sure enough, I started training, started doing these drills and then boom, sure enough, you know, a couple weeks go by, a month goes by, I'm one of the best players on the team. It took probably a couple months before I was the best. Because you had a coach. Because I had a coach and, uh, you know, I had this training, this specialized knowledge where I could take this and actually train my skills. And so that's when I realized that a coach knowledge can really impact and transform your life. And so that's when I realized, you know, at a young age that personal development and investing in yourself has massive, uh, basically, rewards later down the line. And so then that led to basically, I really wanted to be, I want to go to the next level. So once I became the best in my homeschool group, I was like, you know what? I want to go 
go to public school for the first time. Yeah. Uh, as a sophomore, I came in. I was like, you know what? I want to go on the JV basketball team. So you were you were homeschooled most of your life. Yeah. Then. Until until sophomore year of high school. Do you think that on any level, this is kind of like a, a side tangent, but we'll come back. Do you think on any level being homeschooled has affected um, your mentality or even confidence as a kid, your social skills? How do you think that affected you? Dude, I think that homeschool affected me incredibly. So a couple things that it did do, right? So homeschool is unlike the public school system. The public school system, it's almost like a nine to five job. You go in and you go to school from, you know, 730 till three, right? So for me, I could set my own hours as a young kid. I could wake up when I wanted to. I could, you know, as long as I got my day's schoolwork done throughout the day, I could go play, do whatever. So it motivated me to learn how to work smarter and work faster because it wasn't necessarily a certain amount of time I had to put in. It was the result that I was getting after. Mm. So that taught me at a young age that if I can learn how to work smarter and, you know, work harder, that that'll have rewards for the type of lifestyle or life that I can live. Yeah. And so, it actually gets you more time to do the things that you wanted. Dude, hundred percent. And so that's why I think that entrepreneurship in the online business really appeals to me. Cause that's what I've always known since I was like, you know, three, four, five years old. Mm. Okay. So take us back to the high school. You got the skills, okay. you started, you got the program yep. and you started improving. And, uh, now you're trying to get on the team. Dude, I'm trying to get on the team. I, that summer. So it was, I got this program February of 2015, February, 2015. And I started training and I became, you know, the best by the end of the school year, May or whatever. And I was like, you know what? We're going to go to the next level, the JV team. So I started training all summer. I committed that summer to becoming the best basketball player I could. I trained five, six days a week, three, four, five hours at a time. I spent all day training, dribbling drills, uh, drills, you know, hitting the workouts. And so as soon as I got to high school, um, I had already kind of, I learned the power and you have to kind of win friends and influence people. And so I knew the guys that were on the JV team for Lake City High School, and I started to get to know them, build friendships with them at uh, this community uh, center called the Croc Center, right? Mm -hmm. And so this is one of the most unfortunate things that could have happened, but I think it was also good, is that a week before tryouts, I trained my ass off. I was working you know, so hard on this, and by the time I got into school, I was waking up at 5.30, catching the bus at 6.30, getting to school at 7.30, going to school until 3, catching the bus to the gym to train. So I train from three 30 to six 30. My mom would pick me up. I get home at seven. I do homework from seven to 10 and then I go to bed or, you know, anywhere from 10 to 11. And I was getting, you know, not, not the amount of sleep that I should have been at that age. And so it burned me out. And so I think that I got sick because I weakened my immune system. I got sick right before tryout. So I'm not kidding. I got the worst like sickness I've ever had, you know, like this really nasty cold where I've got this headache, you know, I'm coughing, my lungs are, you know, just a mess, you know, I'm dizzy. And I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to perform during tryouts. I'm like, oh, my God. So I start trying to take on these pills, do whatever. It didn't help. I show up to tryouts. So this tryout is yeah. literally, this is everything you've done from trying to prove that you're good at basketball to now trying to get in with the kids in the high school to eventually make the team. It's all led up to this moment. Exactly. It's led up to this one moment, this one weekend of tryouts right before Thanksgiving and I'd been working my tail off. And, you know, when you're 14, when you're 15, you know, a whole summer, six months is a massive amount of time. So I felt like I'd been training forever, my whole life for this one moment. And when the time came and I knew I had the goods because I was training with the guys that were on the team, I knew I was going to make the team. But this one event basically just screwed me. And basically, you know, I was dizzy. I tried to make shots. You know, my, the world was spinning. I was coughing. I couldn't keep up in the drills, you know, the running drills. And just it depressed. It was super depressing because I didn't make the team. 
I didn't make the team. I still remember the day my mom, she drives up, you know, to the high school, you know, you know how they have the tryouts on the, on the door outside. Yeah. I drive up, I get out of the car. I'm walking up. I remember it was raining. I walk up and I look on the, on the, on the door and I see the piece of paper and I see the paste, piece of paper right there. And it was all the people on the list, the JV list. And so I go, I start, you know, have my finger, I go down the list. And I, as I get further down the list, my heart, you know, starts beating faster and faster and faster. And I get all the way down and then my heart just sunk. Damn. My heart just sunk. I wasn't on the team. I'm like, what the, there has to be a mistake. So I go up, it, you know, one more time. And then another time I'm like, there has to be a mistake. And so I just, I, it was just depressing. I got in the car and my mom's like, did you make the team? And I was like, no, I didn't make the team. But you know what I told her is here's one thing that I regret. I'm going to be completely, you know, raw, vulnerable is before we went up to look at that list. I told my mom, I was like, you know what, mom? I was like, you know, Michael Jordan, he's cut from his high school basketball team. If I don't make the team, you got to drop me off at the basketball court. I'm going straight there and I'm going to train and practice. Mm. And as soon as I got in the car, you know, I don't think I initiated it or my mom didn't take me. So I didn't fall through on that promise to myself. And I think one of the biggest keys that I've learned in life that I've learned from my mentors and other people I've learned from is that self-confidence is built by keeping promises you make to yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And I broke Facts. that promise to myself and that destroyed my self-confidence because I felt like I had lost control, lost power. I felt like, you know, almost a victim because I didn't have control or power over that situation. So that's where it really started. And then from there, I didn't really ever recover. And so then I started getting these really weird stomach aches before school. I'd get on the bus, I'd be riding to school. And I just started getting these really like intense, sharp stomach pains right in the middle of my stomach, right? And they got so bad that one day in between classes, I remember, I think it was like 10. Is this still kind of connected to the same sickness you had before tryouts? I think so. So I think that looking back, we believe that I think that that moment severely crushed my immune system because I pushed my body so hard during tryouts mm. that I think it just, I was already sick. And you were already sick. And then I got sick for like two more weeks after tryouts. Mm. So I got even, and even now sicker. you're having stomach pains. And so now I'm having stomach pains. And I think that, you know, Lon, I'll kind of fill you in on the story later, but I think that what we found, you know, hindsight was that when it destroyed my immune system, Lyme disease can actually sit dormant in the body. And until the immune system is weakened and mm. then it'll come out and it'll actually take over. Yeah. So that's what we think what happened is that I got Lyme disease, you know, years prior and yeah. a lot of people have it and just don't show symptoms because they have strong, healthy immune yeah. systems. And it's like the one disease that we have no treatment for. Yep. There's nothing you can do and it fucks you up. Yeah. It and does. it's something you can't control, which is like the fucking tick population. Exactly. You can't control mosquitoes, spiders. It's, it's, you know, it's freaking brutal. And so, so this Lyme disease literally prevented you from reaching your original goal which was to make the team yeah 100 percent. i think that that that's definitely what i also had because lyme disease if you look into the symptoms has a lot of joint pain uh you know you can have nausea you can have you know different types of basically brain fog which is like i still remember when i uh eventually i'll kind of i'll jump back into the story so I, i'm starting to have these like really intense stomach aches before school right on the bus one day it gets so bad where i'm literally between classes and I have to go to the bathroom because it hurts so bad. And I'm like, I don't know if I can go to class. And so it got so bad to where literally where it hurts so bad that I literally just started to clench up and literally just started to like bend over into a ball. And so I immediately grab my phone and call my mom. Like, mom, like I feel super sick. I need you to come get me. So she comes get, she come and gets me. I don't go to school for the rest of the day. All my friends are like, where are you at, bro? You okay? Where are you at? And I'm just at home curled up on the couch yeah. for the rest of the day. And so I wake up, I feel fine. But eventually it starts getting worse and worse. Right? So it leads into having this happen two, 
three, four times a week, you know, progressively, right? It'd be one or two days a week, then be two or three, then three or four. And eventually I was going to school barely one or two days a week. So mom's like, we got to pull him out of school. He's not even, you know, able to do his uh, schoolwork. And so that's when the most depressing journey of my entire life happened is when I got pulled out of school. I'm super passionate about life, basketball, and I'm trying to figure out what the hell's wrong with me. And so we start going doctor to doctor. And so the first doctor we go to uh, was pretty much like the ER almost because it hurt so bad. And my mom's like, you know, we're going to take you. This is something weird. So we go in and she diagnoses me with stomach migraines. I'm like, what the fuck is a stomach migraine? And she's like, oh, take these pills. You'll be better in six weeks. And my mom's like, these pills aren't going to help him, right? Um, and so we, we go to another doctor, right? And then they, they recommend, you know, that I have, uh, you know, whatever it is. I don't know what the next thing was. There's so many. SIBO, maybe. Take this antibiotic. You'll be better in six weeks. You can go back to school. You're going to be 100%. I'm like, yes, finally, a cure. Six, week, uh, six weeks roll around. I'm not any, uh, not any better, if not, if not worse. And so it was just depressing. So then we go f- to the next doctor. And they say, I have this and to do this and you'll be better. And this happens three or four times. And at this point, I'm just so depressed. I'm so hopeless. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be a sick kid for the rest of my life. And the, the, the wretched thing about this uh, disease was that every time that I ate, I got the most intense stomach pain ever. It, it intensified the pain. And so imagine like every time you, you eat, instead of it being an enjoyable experience, it turns into the most excruciating pain you've ever felt. So I literally just stopped eating. So I was eating less than, you know, a thousand calories a day and I ended up just, you know, losing all my muscle, all the gains that I'd made playing basketball. I turned into this skinny kid that looked like a freaking, you know, guy that just came out of a concentration camp. And so that's when the journey began. So luckily this was a God thing, hundred percent, because out of nowhere, you know, I, this got so bad that my parents thought that I had a uh, chronic apparent uh, appendicitis. So we took, they took me to a doctor and they're like, you know what? It's maybe a little bit enlarged. We could take it out, see if it helps. Um, and so, you know, chronic appendicitis is essentially where it doesn't rupture immediately. It slowly ruptures over time. So that we, my parents were like, we're desperate. You know, we think he's going to die. He just keeps, he stops, he stopped eating. We just got to do something. So I'm literally in the, uh, you know, room getting ready to go into surgery to get my appendix out. And my chiropractor since I was a little kid, my mom is a chiropractor, so it was her trainer, uh, her, you know, person above her. She comes in, she's like, why is Bridger in here? He was like the healthiest, you know, energetic, go-getting kid ever. And he, he, you know, my mom was like, you know, he's been out of school for a couple of semesters. We don't know what's wrong with him. And she was like, have you ever, you know, thought maybe he has Lyme disease? You should, you should definitely go get him checked. There's this, you know, number one specialist here in Coeur d'Alene. His name's, uh, you know, Dr. Tony Smith. And she's like, really? So she takes it down. And then sure enough, as soon as I get out of the emergency room, we schedule an appointment and, you know, we go in and get uh, checked for Lyme disease in November of 2016. And then sure enough, I had it, you know, he, he did different muscle testing and things like that. And I had Lyme disease. And so I'm like, holy crap. So then luckily there is a treatment out there. It's not known. And luckily this guy treated me. And within a couple months, you know, I started to feel better, but I wasn't hundred percent better. See, the thing about Lyme disease is it just, it sucks the living uh, nutrients out of you. So it, it really, if you look at the type of, of DNA that it is or the way that it looks, is it's actually spiral. So it actually spirals into your own DNA and it hides so that your body can't naturally attack it. So that's the way that he treats it is he uses these different magnets to wake the body up and say, hey, there's a virus there. You need to go attack it. So he actually trains the body to go attack and, and heal itself. And so that led to him after, you know, my body's destroyed of all these nutrients. He's like, okay, you need to check out this DNA doctor so we can get you on some supplements to restore your immune system. Right. 
And so I get recommended to this doctor named Dr. Bob Miller. And so literally it was the weirdest thing, Patrick, I swear to God, my mom is on the phone with them, the first consulting call. And before my mom even says a word about me, this guy's like, uh, you know, Gail, uh, let me ask you a question. Does your son, you know, tend to have like really, you know, intense stomach pains? And she's like, yeah, you know, is he, is he a pretty ambitious, you know, go getting kid very, you know, you know, whatever type a, and she's like, yeah. And she starts going through the list of exactly who I am. She's like, how do you know this? Like, I haven't given you any information. Oh, I can tell by looking at his DNA right here. So immediately my mom has got, you know, uh, she's got his attention, right? And he's like, yeah, so, you know, looking at your DNA, uh, you've got this deficiency, this deficiency. Here's why the stomach aches are pro- happening because you have a histamine uh, imbalance. Your body doesn't naturally process it. So my mom's just like blown. She's like, what the hell? And so sure enough, she orders these supplements. I'm not kidding, Patrick. Within two months of taking these organic whole food uh, DNA supplements, boom, I'm freaking 85% better. I have enough energy uh, after going from my bed to the couch to my bed again to finally start working out and going back into life. So May 4th, 2017, I mustered up the courage to go in and hit my first workout. And I still remember the first workout, Patrick, like it was yesterday. I remember walking into the gym, the Croc Center. I hadn't been in there in over two years. The people that saw me there before, I was in shape. I was, you know, a great basketball player. I was, you know, strong. I go in there and my posture, I remember I literally had to go to physical therapy because my posture was melted into a couch. Because I had been in the couch for 18 months, my posture was so bad. I was literally curled like I had was like an old guy, right? And so I walk in there, I've got shitty posture, I'm skinny, I'm so insecure. I had like the worst anxiety I've ever had in my entire life. I felt like everybody was looking at me, everybody was judging me. And maybe, you know, for those of you who are uh, listening right now, you can relate to that at some level. And so I remember going up to the incline bench press, you know, at this point I'm hitting my first workout on Gregor Gallagher's uh, Greek God program. And so I go up and I grab the barbell and I'm trying to set this thing up and I'm so weak. I can barely lift this 45 pound bar up to adjust it. And I'm like, you know, struggling. It falls down, makes a big noise and everybody looks at me and I just feel like an idiot. And so I'm starting to put this together and eventually I sit down and I grab the bar and I can just barely, I'm like struggling to lift up this, just the bar, this 45 pound, you know, freaking barbell. And so I come down, I'm like shaking and struggling and like barely get like four half reps, five reps. And I'm like, like I'm about, I'm like, I'm literally doubting myself if I can even build muscle Patrick, because I'm so skinny that it feels like, you know, in order to activate muscles, you have to get the muscles to burn. I felt like I had no muscle to build. I felt like it was impossible for me to build muscle. And so, you know, but sure enough, I was like, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And so I start showing up to the gym, hitting the three workouts a week. And crazy enough, Patrick, I don't know. Have you ever heard of uh, hyperbaric uh, oxygen chamber treatment? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my parents actually decided to get me on that to heal faster. And this is the most insane, crazy technology. So guys like, you know, foot and, uh, NFL football players, they use this to recover insanely fast. And so basically the science behind it is that it 100% oxygenates your body. And so that heals you rapidly. So I literally remember I used to hit my workouts before I'd go into this. And so I hit my workouts and I'd be sore immediately because I was so weak from working out. I was just so sore. I'd go in there and I'd breathe oxygen for 30 minutes and then boom, I'd come out. I wasn't sore. I'm like, what the hell? It hundred percent oxygenates your body yeah. and recovers. I used to recover so fast. It was insane. I was like, wow, this makes it's crazy. I mean, this makes sense why the football players do it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's even crazier for me to hear that because <clears throat> this is like relatively new stuff. Hyperbaric, isn't it? Yeah. So 100%. like when I was in college, um, I, I, I was a freshman in 2008 
and I graduated with my biology degree in 2012. Um, and I remember I took like the anatomy and physiology version of in college, it's called the human body. And at my school, K-State, human body is like well known around all the schools in the area because it's like the hardest version of anatomy and physiology. And it's like intensive and mm. like you don't have time to take any other classes other than that. Wow. And so I remember we had this whole seminar about like the, uh, the way your blood gets oxygen and the red blood cells and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And um, naturally people are already at 98% oxygen. Yep. And so when I know that, and she was all the, the professor was almost talking shit on the football players. She had a slide with the football player, like sitting there breathing the oxygen mass. Like, listen, you're already 98%. You think it's going to make that big of a difference, the extra 2%, but it really doesn't. It's just a myth. You just feel better at the moment. And she would say this, but to hear like kind of the new research about the hyperbaric oxygen chambers, it was on the test, bro. And, wow. um, and so to hear that, like for you, it really helped you not only overcome like the recovery of the Lyme disease, but also start having a functioning body again, mm -hmm. that extra 2% is everything for you Dude, almost, you know, a hundred percent. And that 2% compounds, that's 2% every day, bro. Yeah. And so that two, that 2% turns into 60% over a month. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't know what the science is. It might compound even more, but just doing that math, you know, it was nuts. Yeah. And so, you know, that that's where my journey began, man, is, you know, I, I had this insane illness that nobody at my age has ever, very few people have engaged, uh, encountered, right? So most people never want to encounter it. Yeah, It's like you never, never want to get in a boxing match with T Mike Tyson. Yeah. But you fucking did it. <laughs> Dude, I went in there, bro. And I, I mean, it was brutal, man. It was, uh, there's countless days where I just want to give up, bro. I mean, it, there's only so much Netflix and video games you can play yeah. until you just want to freaking die, bro. And so I remember, you know the the lowest point that's how we my... should start torturing like those level low level criminals like they're not <laughs> oj they're not fucking aaron hernandez they're not epstein but they're just like they forgot to pay their taxes once <laughs> you know we just make them sit in solitary confinement with netflix and video games and that's it <laughs> dude that would literally drive you nuts bro i swear to god there's, i mean there's only so many good shows out there there's only so many good video games yeah. and at that point the worst part is he's gonna spend the whole time just looking for something to watch <laughs> <laughs> just scrolling yeah he's watched everything then you watch it on repeat or he just, just can't decide on what to watch if he's like me I'll sit there for like a fucking hour really? just trying to decide what to watch. You bro. watch like the previews on the Netflix. Thing? I don't even have the patience for the previews. Are I'm just serious? like your vid, your your thumbnail didn't catch me, uh, so it doesn't deserve to get my view. <laughs> <laughs> bro, that's mad funny, dude. I think that's their, their it's kind of like their model, right? Same with YouTube. They want you to just keep scrolling, yeah. right? Because more scrolls, more ads, whatever. It is interesting because they do pay attention to the analytics on the views, the view rate of the trailers and like the thumbnails, you'll see them split testing different thumbnails for different shows. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's like its own social media platform. Yeah, but it's for just movies, though. got the only goal of retaining you as a subscriber. Yep, that's true. Yeah, they want to keep you on there forever. Dude, Netflix is nuts, bro. The, the way that they've built that and they destroyed Blockbuster, it's kind of like Facebook, right? We'll see if we'll see if Spotify comes out of nowhere. With, with this $100 million deal bro. with, with freaking... See, here's knows, here's my theory on Spotify, bro. Because they this happened literally the week I start my own fucking podcast. I had been... But I've been building up to this shit for at least a year. I've been talking about starting this thing for the last year. I even was emailing on my email list, hey guys, we're starting a podcast in 2019, so get ready. And I fucking sat on it <gasps> for a year. Talk about speed of implementation. 
But here's the thing. It was because I was having so much momentum in my dating advice business that I was like, I know this is a dream of mine, but unless it incorporates into the grander vision of what I'm currently working on, I, I don't feel comfortable doing it. And so now I, I, I've mapped, I've spent a year essentially like remapping my business plan for the dating advice. So that way everything's a cohesive fit like a puzzle. And so, um, more of the story is I finally just did it. And so the coronavirus hit and it postponed all this equipment from actually arriving to my place. You'd, they'd say expected delivery on this date. And it takes me, it takes an extra two weeks to get there. This desk I ordered in January. I just got it last month, bro. Like, what? Yeah, and so ordered from Amazon. No, nah, it was from a okay. company that makes these desks somewhere. Okay, gotcha. They claim it's in Europe, but then it got sent from somewhere in like New Hampshire. <laughs> so I don't fucking know. But anyways, it's a dope yeah. desk. We got the studio, and then this fucking Joe Rogan deal hits, and I'm like, yo. I felt the wave of video podcasts on YouTube coming in 2018, 2019, and it hit, and I knew I missed it. But then I was like, you know what? I love podcasts. It's basically all I consume. So. I want to start my own and I'm not going to let the fact that I'm now a year late get my own. And so uh, then this hits and I'm like, yo, how does this change the game for me? And so I, when he announced that, I was like, it could be either really good or really bad. Here's why it could be really bad. It could be really bad because when Joe Rogan leaves YouTube and he deletes all of his podcasts off of YouTube and moves them all exclusively only over to Spotify. All right. Now do... Um, video podcasts on YouTube become irrelevant the mm. way vlogging became irrelevant last year? Mm. That's a good question. So that's the downside that could happen. Or does it just shift to Spotify? That's what I'm that's saying. The, the videos are going to Spotify. So maybe the new platform where you can go rapidly or whatever, that's why they're trying to like lead the movement. They're trying to get yeah. the leader of podcasts say, hey, we're the platform. Say your voice. We're not going to control you. Do what you want. Here's Spotify. Yeah, and I think on the same line of thinking, though, is like, what if, because this is the only thing I'm unsure about, is there a barrier to entry to Spotify? Hmm. Because if it, if there's a barrier to entry to where you have to be Joe Rogan to get on Spotify, and the only video podcasts allowed on Spotify are people invited by Spotify and getting paid by Spotify, because if hmm. that is, if it becomes a barrier to entry, now it's almost like if you only have a video podcast on YouTube, it's like, okay, that's cool, but you're not on Spotify because there's a barrier to entry. And so now it's like, think about it like this throughout history, people consumed on the radio and then they consumed on TV, making the radio irrelevant. Then they consumed on uh, the internet, which kind of made TV irrelevant and TV's dying out. It's getting less views on fucking normal shows than someone's live stream on YouTube. And so now the, the reason that YouTube and the internet blew up is because the number one difference between radio and television is that there was no barrier to entry. Anybody could post something on YouTube. And because there was no barrier to entry, it created all these different people who had even an inkling to create and grow an audience and show up on camera. And so that made TV irrelevant because TV still had a barrier to entry. If you were on TV, that's cool, but you can go on YouTube and get a bigger following. Now here's why it, the Spotify deal is even more interesting because if they leave up a barrier to entry, it could almost be like they are the next television to where now you're irrelevant unless you're on Spotify, but there's that barrier to entry. Hmm. The other, the flip side of that is, well, if Joe Rogan's off Spotify, then someone's gotta come up and be the next number one. On YouTube. 
on YouTube. That means that there's a competition. Yeah. There's a competition on now. And now that your podcast, your video podcast is an asset that you can sell to Spotify. Yes. It's a ticket. That's why I think that it's exciting for everybody. I think that if you frame it that way, you're competitive. I think that this could be the mass, the biggest opportunity because I watched the video Valuetainment. This guy did a video on it and he was saying how they paid him a hundred million dollars for this contract and boom, within 48 hours, it shot up $5 billion. Their stock increased. It mm. increased by $5 billion. So everybody's going to say, hey, here's a freaking $100 bill. I'll take five grand. Yeah. Everyone's going to go to that slot machine. So yeah. now the value, Joe Rogan's worth $5 because he added $5 billion, uh, you know, yeah. of value to the marketplace. And he's like a professional athlete because it's like a three or four year deal. And it's free game. He can go wherever he wants after four years. Yeah. Who's next? Who's willing to pay the next higher ticket? You Dude, know, hundred percent. That's insane that he's got. Yeah. So now it's you know these these podcasters, these people with with audiences, almost become like like you said, football players or not players, but teams. They yeah. almost become like franchises that you can you can buy and monetize. And so that's yeah. why I think it's so exciting. You know, for you to be starting, and then eventually, you know, I'll start my own podcast yeah. and. I think it's awesome, man. Kind of with the whole timing of this, even though it was already kind of in the works before the coronavirus hit, I said, I'm going to make this a chapter in my fucking grand epic novel of a life, right? And I'm going to say, remember that time where the whole fucking world was collapsing? And just like the collapse in 2008, where a lot of people grew their businesses online because they had to, they had to figure out a way because they were losing everything they had. I want this shutdown I want to look back on it and go, that's when I fucking started that podcast. How crazy is that? You know, I love that, bro. And I think that that, you you know, that story is going to make you 10 times more valuable to the marketplace 10 years from now. All the people that, you know, went through that hell in 2008, like Grant Cardone, he always talks about that. That's when he created the 10X movement, whatever. So I think that that's where, you know, greatness is created. You know, greatness is created from desperation, from, you know, you either... You know, you've got your back against the wall and you have to make something happen. Otherwise you're, you're out, you know, and humans were resilient. You yeah. know, we're going to, we're going to find a way or make one if it comes down to that. You yeah. Know? And honestly, for me, um, I was kind of telling Chris this cause I told the, my story on the episode we did before this, but I told you even my story yesterday. And, and honestly for me, like the reason I dropped out of dental school, one of the main reasons is cause when I got there, I realized everything I had done up to this point, college, trying to get good grades studying for the entrance exams, it all led to this moment. And there was kind of like an overwhelming feeling that everybody kind of shared in that first year of dental school is like, we've made it, we can breathe easy. And I felt like I I realized in that moment, oh shit, is this it? Is this what I worked so hard for? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I thought it would be like, I thought it'd be like heaven. It'd be like a lot better than this. This is just fucking normal life in school and shit. And so I realized that everybody was going along that plan of like, we get the fucking degree, we get the job and we do this for the next 40 years. And because they had fucking made it, they knew they would have doctor salary for the next 40, 50 years. So for them, it was a security thing internal, Hmm. right? And for me, just similar upbringing to you, trying to prove that yourself, having the chip on your shoulder with basketball, you and I both share a similar chip on the story with the basketball story. And so uh, because of that, I realized I wasn't wired like these people because as soon as I realized this was the destination, I was like, I'm not wired to reach a destination. I'm wired to keep fucking growing until I fucking can't grow anymore. I love that, bro. And so I, that's part of why I dropped out is because I didn't want to settle. And the online became 
the dropping out and starting from scratch and becoming a dating coach when how many fucking dating coaches are there in the world? Like how many dentists are there in the world and how many dating coaches are there in the world? That's it's fucking crazy to do that. Right. Yeah, that's nuts. And so for me, because it was so fucking crazy, I saw it as a challenge that I wanted to overcome almost because it's just like the chip on the shoulder, you know? And so, yep. man, I'm so, I don't even know how we got on this tangent. <laughs> <laughs> bro. I love it, bro. Yeah. Dude, I think we said that when we started this, man, you know, we were just going to let it flow, bro. Yeah. Let it flow and grow. I'm intrigued with how you went from literally overcoming Lyme's disease because this is all within a couple of years because now you're working out, but then that transitions to you getting a workout coach just like you got a basketball coach. Yep. And then this person becoming your dream fucking person to ever work for or work with and yep. it ends up happening. You fucking manifested it Dude. and people were making fun of you because they doubted you yep. and then you still made it happen. So t 100%. tell us about it. Yeah, this is this is probably one of the greatest uh, you know, stories from from my life that I'll look back on because you know, I'm this small time kid from Idaho. I'm bagging groceries, making $7 and 85 cents an hour, trying to get my driver's license. Cause I have to pay for everything. Right. And so, you know, I'm 16, no, I'm yeah, 16 coming out. So I'm 16 years old coming out of this Lyme disease, almost 17. So summer of 2017. So I remember the first workout I hit, this is where it all started May 4th, 2017 told you that story. So this goes on. I consistently hit a workout. I do not miss a workout for the next four weeks. I follow Greg's program and I get insane results. I get I go from 125 pounds at 5'11 to 145 pounds. And the freaking the results on the program were nuts. And so immediately, you know, I'm looking up to this guy. For him, he was the guy that, that got me motivated. Like he was the guy I was watching his YouTube when I was sick, stuck at home, no friends, you know, almost all my friends abandoned me. You know, I wasn't, you know, going to dates, wasn't talking to girls. I was literally living like the lowest level a freaking life possible, right? I couldn't do anything. And so, you know, I remember watching dating advice or whatever, you know, scale of one to 10, right? Unattractive. I was at a zero. Nobody wants to date a freaking sick guy who can't provide, who his mom's taking care of him. You know, I was at the lowest of the lows on the totem pole for that. And so, you know, being able to look at Greg as like a role model of something that I want to achieve, that strong, powerful, lean chiseled, you know, physique, right? That was really inspiring to me. And so watching his videos is what I did to keep myself inspired along the journey. Every single day after I got home from workout while, while I'd eat, I would watch one of his videos and I'd imagine living that type of lifestyle, driving the Lamborghini, you know, doing what I loved as a career, transforming people's lives, making money, doing what I loved, right? That's the biggest thing for me is I don't ever want to have to do a job that I hated. Like I've worked two jobs my entire life. And to be honest, you know, I found a way to make them fun, but hated the actual work. You know, I don't like having to show up and having to do this or whatever. You know, I want to be able to live life on my terms, right? And so it all started for with that. And so, you know, at the time I'd been hit with all these marketers. I'm watching YouTube videos and Grant Cardone, you know, is somebody that I met. Ty Lopez is somebody that I met online and that really impacted me. So what they're saying is, you know, you got to find a mentor, right? You got to find somebody who's where you want to be. And so for Greg, he was doing what I wanted to do. And so, you know, all these mentors said, you got to add value. You, you know, you can't just try to take, you have to give, you have to go with a giving hand. And so I, you know, just want to add value. I was just so grateful for the program. One day on Instagram, I was following Greg. He posted a, a post on his Greek God program or about his Greek God program. He was like, you know, this is a great program. If you want to get jacked, sign up, whatever. And so I commented, I'm like, listen, guys, if you're ever doubting this program, if it works, just look at my transformation on my page. This shit works 100%. It was the best investment I've ever made. You have to sign up. You know, so I, I was trying to sell for him, help him out. 
And so he saw that comment and saw my transformation. He comes like, dude, that's freaking sick, man. He's like, can I repost your transformation? And at this point, it was my dream to get on what I call the Kino Body Hall of Fame. So he reposts clients' uh, transformations, right? And so by just adding value, being a part of the community, you know, Greg, he's a good leader. He looked down or looked at that and he's like, you know what? I'm going to recognize this. I'm going to sh- showcase this. So he, he promoted that. And then, you know, it was freaking awesome because I w- kind of got a taste of that kind of that fame or that kind of night, not necessarily fame, but that ability to impact people and have an audience. So I went from about hundred followers, which were just my friends on Instagram to about 300 followers. And after he shouted me out, all those people start asking me questions that followed me. Does the program actually work? Whatever. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to add more value. Start, start helping, you know, inspire people and push people and you know, sell people on the programs. And so that's when it led into learning how to really sell, uh, you know, online or through the DMS. Right. And so this was 2017. And so after he shouted me out on Instagram, immediately I had his attention. Right. And so now I have his attention. I ask him, you know, at the time I come back to high school <clears throat> And, you know, I'm actually doing dual enrollment. So I'm actually going to college while I'm going to high school. And so I'm actually just taking college classes. And so one of the classes was entrepreneurship class. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to ask Greg if... What do they teach in a class about entrepreneurship? Because I feel like that's a catch-22. It's like a... It's like... It's all theory. It's, it's all theory. So so a lot of it's research and theory. So the stuff that they taught me, uh, some of it was good. We actually wrote a business plan. Um, the only thing that about it though, is you don't actually make any money. You're not going to make any money in college. They teach you all theory. So I learned stuff on management. I did an elevator pitch. Uh, um, it was, it was, I mean, it was good. It was better than any other, other class I could have taken in college. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, accounting those entrepreneurship classes, hundred percent, I'd rather be in that than fricking, you know, world history, you know, in the, in, in junior year high school. So as far as what they teach you, you know, I mean, it comes down to books, you know, it comes down to, you know, I wrote a business plan. So I figured out, you know, executive summary. I learned how to do all that, find market research, see how big the market is, see who my biggest com- competitors were, you know, seeing what their products were, basically funnel hacking, right? Yeah. After I got into Russell Brunson stuff. So jumping back on the tangent, how I met Greg. So then I interview him just like, like this Skype. It was over Skype though. So I interviewed yeah, fuck him. those Skype interviews. We're changing the game. We're doing the video podcast. Dude, video's in where it's at. This is where it's at. It's the real deal. If I want to get fucking Will Smith on my podcast one day, motherfucker's gonna have to roll into downtown Phoenix and come to my <laughs> one bedroom apartment. Can you can you picture Will Smith walking up the fucking elevator, like what coming getting guard. buzzed in, bro? Oh my god, <laughs> into this fucking apartment dude, building, dude. I'm gonna tell you right now, bro. If you want to get Will Smith, you're gonna have to find a new place. He yeah, <laughs> you gotta upgrade, bro. My dog barks up, when will bro. smith walks in the door <laughs> he starts jumping on you like he did with me yeah that'd be mad funny so anyways so uh yeah so where were we patrick um you were talking about yourself that's right <laughs> i do that a lot what yeah do you think? i mean there's a lot to talk about here patrick i mean there's so much <laughs> to talk about so aliens you believe in aliens you know i don't i don't believe in aliens were you with I've brian never, the other night no. when they saw the did you see the video i didn't see it i saw the video though but i you know, I think it could have been Tesla, SpaceX. It could have been, you know, who knows, a drone. There's so much drones. Yeah. For me, I'd have to see it. Oh, well, did you? I'll have to see. I like, can actually bust out the video because I screen recorded Brian's story. Well, no, no, no. I, but that's just a little blimp. How do you know? Like, It is not a blimp. It is concentric it. circles that shift and change shape and shrink and then pop back into existence. It is crazy. I've ne- And here's the only reason I know that is because I screen recorded his video. 
And you can listen to the commentary and he's like, I'm not zooming in. I'm not zooming in. He's like, I'm, I didn't move the camera. I didn't move the camera. And so, but the thing gets smaller and I did this. I slowed it down frame by frame and watch it. The thing shrunk in size, hmm. got this big. So it's, it's a big ass ball with okay. two concentric spheres inside of it. Okay. Clearly defined concentric spheres of different luminosity or whatever. It's differently lit spheres, right? It okay. shrinks into an infinitely dense like point of light, pops back out into existence, and then it sh- turns into a, like an L shape. But the L shape, it's like it looks like a glitch, and it only lasts one frame. And it did it twice. All right, Patrick, I gotta ask you a question. Yeah. Which alien shows did you want watch that make you want to believe that that's true? First off. <laughs> Joe Rogan's podcast where he interviewed uh, Commander Fravor, who was the Navy pilot who was on the the airplane of the Pentagon release video of the UFO that they just affir- confirmed. Okay. He was the pilot on there. Okay. Joe Rogan interviewed him okay. on his account of what he saw and what happened because he's fucking seeing it with his own eyes and we just saw the video that the Pentagon released. So that was one moment. The other moment was when he interviewed... Um, What's his face? What's his face? Why is the guy from the Area 51, Bob Lazar? He interviews Bob Lazar, who worked at Area 51. He's the guy who came out in the 80s that said aliens were real and the U.S. government is storing them at Area 51. He's the motherfucker who started that in the 80s because he came out and said, I worked for them and this is what I saw. This is what I worked on. He was working on one of the flying saucers. So in the 80s and the 90s, he was written off as a crazy person. But he's a physicist who's super smart. And throughout that whole time, there's evidence of the FBI and the CIA. They're trying to erase his records. They're trying to erase the fact that he worked at Los Alamos, which is the base that comes up with a lot of this technology. Um, he's uh, And it's like a propulsion lab they're trying to erase the fact that he got he ever went to mit and got his engineering degree they're trying to erase all this stuff about him so that looks fishy but Mm. one of the key things he said in the 80s was element 115 was the fuel source i don't know if you know much about the periodic table but you know how each element has a number number yeah so the way the periodic table is designed is it's it's they didn't just say hey let's make it this shape it's an actual like algorithm so you can you can predict where the next element might be based on the shape of the periodic table and so at the time in the 80s we knew theoretically maybe possibly element 115 could exist Hmm. you know like number eight is oxygen number one is hydrogen element 115 didn't exist on earth though but we knew on the periodic table it could and he said element 115 is the fuel source of these uh flying saucers and he said it was like a, a like a solid like rock. It was like a fucking cube of element 115. And so long story short, everybody writes him off as crazy. 2004 Russian scientists are able to create element 115, but it's unstable and only lasts like a split second, but it is because particle colliders. So now we know element 115 has been confirmed to actually be possible to exist. And now that's why Joe Rogan had him on and I believe that I'm a very good judge of character. I'm very good at reading people's micro expressions, their body language. And also Mm. um, I've just, but I've been practicing since I was a kid because I was super into poker when I was in middle school. And Mm. so I've always been looking out for that kind of stuff. So anyways, I don't see a single hint that this man is lying, Mm. right? He at least believes every fucking word out of his mouth, but he doesn't slip up. You know, there's no, there's nothing that you perceive to him to believe, think that, 
he's not telling the truth about his experience at, LM, at Area 51. So I'm open that to it. combined with the Commander Fravor, um, I looked into it. And so there's something there, you know? Dude, honestly, I think it would be sick if we could believe it. But as long as it wouldn't be harmful, who wants another war? Who wants World War Three? I mean, I'm, I'm happy chilling. Well, that's under the assumption that aliens and UFOs would be evil and looking to start a war with us. That's true. That they're that's hostile. True. That's what I'm saying. Hopefully they're chill. That's what I would like to be. Yeah. Uh, maybe we can freaking combine. Have you maybe ever gone? Alien baby. Pops out, it can start flying. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Have you ever talked to Clark about this? I haven't. Yeah, we should Clark's... get him on right now. Call him. Should we FaceTime him right now? <laughs> Clark <laughs> is super into this kind of stuff. Really? We, he, me and him nerded out on it. Uh, privately before we've actually gone alien hunting ufo hunting right after brian saw that shit i bought night vision goggles and we no tried way. to see the same one the next night but that explains why he has this huge by bi- uh freaking binoculars on his uh on his porch yeah expl- i mean i don't blame him i i know uh, that explains a lot of people stargazing <laughs> yeah bro anybody who has ever looked through a telescope at saturn you know that they are not a flat earther. Like, I was mind blown by the flat earth conspiracy. Have you ever heard of that one? Mm. You've never heard of flat earth? Oh, oh, like people say it was flat? Yeah, but it's like it gained relevance on social media in the last few years. No, f- what? Yeah. People think the earth is flat? It's been a whole movement of people trying to say the world is actually flat. And celebrities come out. B.O.B. You remember B.O.B., the rapper? Convinced the world is flat. Kyrie Irving, convinced the world is flat. So anyways... These motherfuckers have clearly never looked through a telescope at the planet Saturn because being in Kansas and going to school in a country fucking university, K-State, um, I took astronomy class, favorite class I've ever taken. And one of the assignments was we all had to go out and stargaze with a telescope with the astronomy professor in this random ass field in the middle of nowhere, Kansas. Mm. Um, and we so we all went to that. And he would line it up, point it at these galaxies. And so here's what blew my mind is like, through a telescope, if you're looking with the naked eye, everything just looks like a different star. And you go, oh, there's so many stars in the sky. You look through a telescope and you realize some of these stars are whole entire galaxies that look like a fucking galaxy that you would see in in mm. on Google Images. And Jeez. then some of these stars are planets. So we looked at Venus. And when he pointed it at Saturn, I had never seen through a telescope a fucking planet. But when I looked at the telescope, sure enough, it's just black with just this bright lit up ball that looks like every picture of Saturn you've ever seen. Hmm. And it's clearly not flat. <laughs> That's the point here. <laughs> and so if you're a flat earther, you must be retarded That's what I'm to saying. think that Saturn's round and everything else around us is round, but we are the chosen ones that are flat. Motherfuckers, what look through a telescope. Yeah, exactly. Open your eyes. Yeah, for real. I wonder what the aliens think of us, uh, those people that believe in flat earth. Yeah. Like, what the hell? Yeah, that, that was disproved. These fucking Columbus ants on the ground. Sailed the ocean blue in yeah. 1960, whatever it was. Yeah, think Pro- about it. Prove the Earth was round. Think about this. Think about this. I'm about to get deep on you. Oh shit! Let's hear it. Not deep inside of you though. Just deep. Bro, we ain't into that here. <laughs> <laughs> How many ships never sailed because they believed the Earth was flat? That was a really Zero. Good moment of silence right there. <laughs> Think about it. The the fucking beliefs you have about the world around you cause you to not take those fucking actions that change the fucking way humanity works. Like, think about it. How many people could have been Christopher Columbus before Christopher Columbus? That's true. 
but they never took so action many. because everybody told them the world was flat and they were just too afraid to go out and see for them fucking selves. Damn. Think about that. Maybe some of the things to hold is, I mean, honestly, I think that a lot of science is bullshit. Like science has proved, you know, whatever evolution. And then the, the science comes out. It's not true. You know, science, you know, whatever, like science just continues to, it evolves. It evolves. It's it a changes. continually evolving theory of the way the it's world like works. It's hundred percent. They, they think they understand it and then they don't, they think that, you know, what, uh, you know, element 151 is impossible. And then boom, it comes out. Yeah. 151 would be insane. They can't even get element 115 for more oh, than was, a couple. Oh, 115. That's yeah. what it was. 115. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know, you know, I think that, I think that we're still understanding it. You know, you can't take anything as for sure right now, you know? I think that some things you got to just experiment with. It's it's the rule breakers, you know? Yeah, the rule breakers. The, the rule breakers. I mean, think about that. If you were to go back in time and say, you know what? You can grab this little brick and you can see them across the other side of the planet traveling through these airwaves we can't even see. Yeah. Does, does that sound like something that, that is possible somebody can invent? I mean, dude, no, if you go back like 50, 100 years, people yeah. are going to think you're nuts. You took this cell phone back to the 1800s. Yeah. They would think you're a witch. Exactly. <laughs> they, they would, they would burn know. you at the stake. They would freaking roast you. They would, they would not even be able to process. If you showed him a video of a, a country Western movie so it looked exactly like the life he was used to, and you said, look at this screen and this video on this screen that looks like the world you know. He wouldn't be able to process the video that seems no that looks normal because he's still trying to process the fact that he's watching a video and the process the the fact that he's also watching it on a device that he's never seen before. Like what the fuck is this moving color thing? 100%. He'd be like, "What the hell? I did they have video in the 1800s? Hundreds? No. No. Came out in the 1900s, right? Yeah. Well, the first videos were actually still pictures and you look through a slit and you spin the screen. And so it looks like the pictures are moving because oh. you're looking at it through a slit. Walt Disney. I don't That's know if did. it was each Walt slide, Disney. Each, each no, no, no. I mean, he didn't create it, but he used that technology yeah. for his first cartoon. No, it was Steve Jobs. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Jobs created video and invented the iPhone. Dude, this guy's a G. Yeah. Shout out to Steve Jobs right now. You know, we wish you were here joining us. I'm pretty sure got, he also we'll, invented we'll electricity. <laughs> Bro, that was Elon Musk. Prove me wrong. Change my mind. Steve Jobs invented electricity. Bro, that was Elon Musk, bro. You're right. <laughs> Elon Musk created Tesla and then created electricity. And now he's Dude, taking he man to, to the Mars. Electricity to get Tesla going, bro. Yeah. Otherwise, what would he do with a freaking car that runs off electricity? There's, you know, so tell me how you manifested your dream mentor. Because you never okay, got yeah. to that. Okay, yeah. So we keep jumping off another tangent. So I'll, <laughs> I'll get focused for a minute. So I provide value, right? We're jumping back into this. I dropped a comment. He saw the comment. He reposted it. We hopped on a Skype interview from an entrepreneurship class. And then from there, you know, I interviewed him, asked him questions about entrepreneurship. At the end, I shared with him kind of my story. And he was really inspired by that, how I overcame Lyme disease. And so he decided to follow me on Instagram because he liked my story. You know, I was following his program, see my journey. So, you know, he keeps in touch with my stuff. He likes my stuff here and there. And then, six, uh, uh, you know, another six months go by. And then I gain another 20 pounds or, you know, 15 pounds of muscle or whatever on his programs. And so he's like, damn, he's like, dude, can I repost this one too? I'm like, hell yeah, you can. Yeah. And so he reposts it. And so I jumped from like 300 to a thousand followers. <clears throat> and so from there, that's when things really started to change for me. And this is when I remember the first time I made any money online ever, right? This was, uh, 
you know, I was at the time I was bagging groceries, like I said, making $7 and 85 cents an hour. And when Greg shouted me out, I started getting tons and tons of DMS, hundreds of DMS from these, you know, thousand followers that I had. Right. And asked me questions about the program. And so I was like, you know what? I'm closing these guys. They're buying, they're signing up. They're like, thanks Bridger. Thanks so much. You know, I'm getting, uh, you know, people at this point, I'd, people have been following me for, a so you're basically time. referring people to this guy's programs yeah. and not getting any commission or no. anything. You're just doing it because you're like, why the fuck not? Cause I love the, you know, I love yeah. the movie. I felt so grateful for everything that he's done with his programs. Mm. I just feel so indebted to him. I just wanted to help him out. So at this point I'm like, you know what? I was like, I want to get an affiliate link. I started hearing about affiliate links, Ty Lopez. I'm making money, whatever. So I'm like, you know what? Yo, Greg, can I get an affiliate link? I'm starting to close these sales. It's like, dude, for sure. So I get an affiliate link and literally within a week of getting the affiliate link, I remember the first time I made any money. I just got home from, you know, I think a lawn day at college or whatever. You know, at the time I was taking like 17 credits was freaking nuts. So I, uh, I'm chilling. I got my, my feet propped up on the couch. I grab my phone. I'm on Instagram. I'm scrolling. And then I get this notification at the top, this DM from this guy. And he's like, yo, I got this question about the Greek God program. Can you answer it? Whatever. I'm like, yeah, for sure. So he asked me this question, you know. 10 or 15 minutes go by of, you know, me hitting him up or answering his questions. And then a boom, he buys the freaking $50 program, 75% commission from that $50 program I made. And I made freaking 37 bucks in like 12 minutes. I'm like, what the hell? I jump up. I grab my phone. I'm like, mom, I just made 37 bucks chilling, listening to music yeah. with my feet propped up on the couch. She's like, what? I was like, yeah, that's like a whole shift to me working all day, pushing carts in the freezing snow, bagging groceries for these old ladies that are screaming at me because I'm doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, they say the first sale you make, even if it's like a small sale like that, it, it's the one that changes the game for you because you—that's the moment you realize it's possible. Dude, that's the moment, you know, the Earth isn't flat. Yeah, it's round. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and bro. they start sailing, bro. Yeah. And that's when the journey began. I started sailing, man, and so I started closing more sales and more sales. Eventually, I started making more money than I was back in groceries. You know, twenty hours a week. And so I'm like, holy crap! I got to figure out a way to gain more followers to grow. And so this leads into into basically, as I have this affiliate link, I'm practicing my pitch. I'm starting to practice on my stories. I'm start start learning Instagram marketing. and start learning sales. And I'm like, you know what, guys, this is the best program I've ever had. Whatever. And I got st still have the videos of me selling them and making those affiliates promoting it. And eventually, one of these videos that I put uh, pushed out, it caught Greg, Greg's attention. And he's like, he slides up on me on the reply, and he's like, dude, this is freaking good, man. He's like, can you create me a Kino Body ad video? And I'm like, dude, hell yeah. And so I'm, I'm freaking pumped. I'm like, dude, this is a huge opportunity. So I started doing the math. I'm like, holy crap. If we get a hundred, if we get freaking $50 program, we get, let's just say a thousand people to buy, you know, that's $50,000. If I can get, you know, 10%, that's five grand. If we can do 10 X that, then that's 50 grand. I'm like, okay, this could be huge for me. Right? So then I'm like going all in on creating this ad video. And then this is where me and Greg's connection deepens because now as I create this ad video, I send them the first draft. I'm like, Hey Greg, what do you, what do you think of this? And that's when I start learning sales and online marketing and, uh, ads and stuff like that. And he's like, dude, here's what you need to do different. Do this, this, and this, whatever. And so now I'm getting free mentorship and coaching from this guy and I have his personal phone number now. So, which is awesome. So then I do the final take and I film it and I, I dial it in. It's freaking awesome. But you know, he's, he's super busy, right? Greg's super busy. So he, you know, didn't see my texts. He gets tons of texts. He didn't see my DMs, right? So he didn't ever watch it until I finally got his attention after being persistent. So I had to be very persistent during this. But you have to be elegantly persistent for those of you who are watching. If you just are annoying, you're going to get blocked. You're going to get shut down. Yes. <laughs> 100%. So you got to think of creative ways to pattern interrupt or get their attention, right? And add value. So 
then this leads into when he's promoting on his story. So, uh, you know, beginning of September, kind of end, middle of September, Greg's like, it's my 28th birthday. It's going to be the biggest Kino or 27th birthday. It's going to be the biggest Kino body shoot of all time. Uh, you, if you're dedicated and passionate Kino where you've transformed yourself, I want you to be in the video. DM me if you want to come. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take the last of this money that I've saved up all summer working for 1500 bucks. And I'm willing to put that on the line to go down there, be in this video because it'd be the most incredible experience. So, so, so backtrack a little bit. Okay. You are closing sales for this man. Yes. And then you realize you can actually ask him for an affiliate link. Yep. He sends you an affiliate link because you had that transformation that he remembered and reposted, um, which is how you gained any followers to sell to in the first place. Yep. Then you save up the money that you're making from making sales for him to travel and you spend it all to travel to this f shoot that he does in yes. the future. And so you reinvested basically everything you made back into the next step to hopefully gain more access. Dude, hundred percent, hundred percent. Because I knew that if I could get in person with him, I could sell him on the vision. I could sell him on us working together. And we just, we, you know, I just knew we'd get along. So, um, so then subconsciously, I'm afraid right now that I'm going to have a lot of 15 year old kids DMing me and showing <laughs> up to my apartment. <laughs> so if you're watching this, don't necessarily take that to mean that you have to just fucking blow me up to start working for me. And Dude, I'm not going to give an affiliate link to just anybody. So just yeah. know that hundred percent. And you have to add value guys. So yeah. remember this before I had ever gotten anything from Greg, I'd bought his programs. You know, I'd already been promoting and telling my friends about it to buy it. So I'd got him dozens and dozens of sales doing it for free for a while. And eventually, you know, he saw that, you know, that I was providing value, you know, I'll give him an affiliate link. And so, you know, uh, and not everybody's going to do that. You know, he's very generous. So that was really cool of him. So then I reached out to him like, hey, man, listen, I'll pay for my own flight. I'll pay for my own hotel. Just let me come and be in the video, bro. And this was Sunday. And the video shoot was on Friday. And he's like, dude, he's like, you know what? Fine, man. That's fine. You can come, bro. And in fact, you can even crash in my place. I'm like, what the hell? I can crash at the Kino Mansion? He's like, yeah, bro. I'm like, holy. So I'm freaking freaking out. But the thing, though, is that I don't have a passport. It's on Friday. It's, sat it's Sunday. Normally, passports take anywhere from like, you know, two to six weeks or 12 weeks or whatever. And my mom, I tell my mom, like, he said I can go. He said I can go. And my mom's like, there's no way you're not going. There's no way you can go. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, no, but mom, I'm going. There's, there has to be a way. I'm going to find a way or make one. I'm like, you know what, mom? Commit first, figure the rest out later. <laughs> Grant Cardone, yeah. baby. So, so I immediately start Googling around and I'm like, there has to be a service out there. There has to be people that have to get passports fast. And so I find a freaking website fastportpassport.com shout out to them mm -hmm. they saved me for this one the free brand deal <laughs> yeah for real I'm invoicing you for the next one <laughs> and so i freaking i, I freaking invest in it get this passport and i get the passport it costs like 500 bucks it was nuts and then th the flight last minute was like a thousand so it was the last of my money i think i had like less than 200 dollars in my bank after this and i get the passport the morning of my thursday flight and so i, I still remember i vlogged the whole experience did yeah. you already have your bags packed just in case? Dude, I knew it was coming. I knew the passport was coming because... You just trusted. You could feel it deep dude, in your bones. I paid for it, bro. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I paid for it. So they're like, hey, you know, I want, I want, I need it here in three days. I talked to the lady. I'm like, hey, it has to be here. I have a flight. She's like, yeah, we can do that for you. We'll make, we'll make it happen. So I had faith that it was going to show up. Just they don't please. call us passport, passport for no reason. Dude, exactly. Shout out to them. I mean... Save me on that one. So I get there and I still remember it's freaking midnight. It's like 12, 27 at night. 
because the flight and the, the time zone changes to lawn flight. And so I finally get to the Kino mansion. I freaking, I'm driving up. My heart's beating like hella fast. I vlogged the whole experience too. It's on YouTube. It's a day in the life with uh, uh, Kino body, Gregor Gallagher, Bridger Rogers. So it's, it's mad funny though, because when I pull up, it's freaking, it's dark. I'm in this Uber. I've never traveled before ever in my entire life. I don't, I haven't even met this guy. I don't know if he's going to be, you know, weird, creepy. I would faith though. He's going to be a cool guy. And in the moment I freaking open the, I knock on the door. He opens it up. I see him freaking walk over and I freaking dude, we were best friends from like the moment we met, man. I was freaking like, dude, what's going on? Like our energy was just, you know, we both had insane energy and were you dude, finishing each other's sentences? Dude, you know, we weren't necessarily finishing each other's sentences, but he just loved my energy uh, because I was just this young, hungry, passionate. You know, he's like, dude, you remind me of uh, me when I was your age. Mm. And so uh, it's always a charming thing to say. I th yeah, it was. And, you know, it was something that, you know, I think really inspired him because as he started to get, you know, into his older years, it, it brought that fire back, that young, hungry fire, you know, because he had that chip on his shoulder when he was getting into it. You know, his family... Uh, you know, made fun of him for dropping out of college, made fun of him for pursuing this fitness dream, whatever. And now he's, you know, crushing it and everyone respects him. Right. So that's, that was like one of the craziest days. So I'm in this video shoot that goes on to do 1.1 million views. I was in this, uh, Kino body, uh, ad video shoot, I meet Greg, we connect, we stay in touch. And then from there, uh, one thing I forgot to mention is when I got there, I pitched him on a joint partnership program. I was like, dude, listen, man, here is what you need, bro. I've noticed a problem. So people that buy your programs, not everyone falls through on it, right? They don't all get the best results. Dude, what you need to do is come out with a program that helps these guys fall through. And so I was going to call it the Kino body execution program, right? And so I later, I later went on to create, create that program myself. It's called the freedom schedule blueprint. And basically it helps guys who struggle to find the time or the motivation to work out. It helps them structure their day, take control of their time and really, uh, you know, get freedom in their life. Right. And so from there, I pitched him on the, on that idea, shot me down. Then I pitched him on another idea and he's like, you know, uh, you know, not right now, whatever. I pitched him on a third idea. He's like, eh, you know, this is all when you're at his house, you pitched him three different ideas. So, so, uh, so this was separated. So after I got home, I called him up a couple weeks later and I, I thought of another idea and I pitched him. Then a couple on a couple more and months. Go you by. have his number and you're texting yeah. him all this stuff? I'm texting him. I'm and like, he's always responding. So I, I, I learned how to get people's attention. Yeah. I'm like, Greg, give me five minutes. I have a way that we can 10x Kino body in yeah. 90 days. And yeah, so my man's been studying <laughs> persuasion. Like some of these people who DM me, they're just like, dude, like, come on. Dude, yeah. You, ha you have to put yourself in the other person's shoes. Yeah. So I, I was like, you know what? If I was Greg and I was super busy and I need, wanted to get my attention, what would be of value to me? I was like, you know what? I'd want to grow up the company. I'd want to you know, grow the company or whatever. So that's what I did. And so on the last idea, this was after. So when I met Greg, I had like barely 1,200 followers. But he inspired me that like, dude, like, you know, you can make this happen. You can make this, you know, it, when you meet somebody that has an elevated self-image or self-esteem or like self-confidence, self-belief, it, 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 it'll change you forever because your level of belief in yourself Im Im immediately it elevates. So imagine the way that my mentor describes it is imagine, you know, this guy's a 95 degree. Greg's a 95 degree for life. He's crushing. He's making, you know, whatever, you know, a 95 degree is. He's got a million bucks in the bank, whatever. And you're down here at freaking 55 degrees. You're broke. 
when you hang out with somebody that is at 95 degrees, automatically those two meet and you kind of come up in the middle somewhere. So you jump radically. So that's what happened with me is I got inspired. So now I started reaching out to other people trying to figure out how to grow on Instagram so I can make more affiliate sales, make more money for him, right? And so eventually I, it was freaking luck. I was posting this content and this guy reaches out to me, shout out to Ethan Kelly. And he's like, bro, your content's good, man. But dude, I don't know how you don't have freaking 10x more followers. He's like, here's my 10 step formula for how I, I blow up on Instagram. So we connected, I take his strategies. And then of course I reach out to other people and start and he just gave it to you for free. Yeah. Just gave it to me for free, man. Cause he just, he liked my passion. That's what happens when you are, you are not afraid to be yourself. Yeah. You share your passion and you've got a mission, you've got a vision and that's what happens is that you attract these things. So I said yeah. I wanted 10,000 followers. And then within a couple of weeks of me writing that goal down and me committing to figuring out how to find make that happen, that plan came to me. So I see a lot of people look at what they have in their life right now. And they're like, here's what I've got to play with right now. Here's what I have. And they try to build their dream life around that. And that's the worst way you could be doing it if you want to live the best life you want to live. The way you should be doing it is, you know what? I'm here. I don't have the resources I need, but what do I want? Ask yourself, what do you want? And really figure out what it is, the kind of life you want, and then commit to it and start taking steps towards it. Start taking just a little bit of steps towards it and believe that it'll happen. And eventually you'll meet someone, you'll connect with someone, you'll come across an idea. And if you believe that it'll happen in God's timing, it will happen, you know? And so that's what happened with me. And uh, that's why I found this guy that helped me grow my followers. And then boom, I, as soon as I implemented the strategies, you know, I'd spent previously a year and a half trying to grow my Instagram, barely had, you know, I didn't even grow unless Greg gave me a shout out. And then now I had a sustainable way to consistently grow on Instagram using these tactics and strategies. And so I blew up from, you know, a thousand followers to 10,000 followers in seven weeks back at the end of 2018. Mm. And so immediately my sales started going up. I launched my own program, the Freedom Schedule Blueprint. And, and then I was like, you know what? I just thought this, this idea. I'm making all this money. I'm one of the top Kino Body affiliates. What if... Instead of, you know how the big companies, the gym sharks, whatever, they go to influencers and they hire them to promote their stuff, right? Pay them millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Well, what if we were to take our most dedicated and passionate followers, Kino Warriors, and give them the tools, the tactics, and the strategies to blow up on Instagram and become influencers from scratch? What if we were to take our people that ha that transformed and give them the platform to be influencers? So we, And they paid us for that. And this was an idea you pitched him. Yeah. Okay. And so I thought of this and I came up with it. I'm like, dude, this could be nuts. And then what if we give him affiliate links? And so it's a huge opportunity. Who doesn't want to? So basically the offer became how to grow from zero to 10,000 followers in 90 days and start making hundreds, hundreds, if not thousands of dollars per month as a Kino body affiliate promoting the programs and then, uh, you know, become a Kino body affiliate. That was the offer. And so I pitched it to him. He loved it. He loved the idea. Dude, that's freaking genius. Let's do it. He said yes at the end of 2019. I was still in college at the time. And I was like, you know what? If you want to take the island, you got to burn your boats. And so I, I dropped out of college against my parents' will. And they were supporting me. But they were like, you know, I think you should just do both. You know, what happens if it doesn't work out? And I'm like, you know what? I don't care if it doesn't work out. I'm going to make it work. And so I committed. And I dropped, I dropped out. And I spent the next month and a half spending the, next, uh, the every single day, 8 or 10 hour days, 8, 10, 12 hour days, literally just working and trying to create a, a badass revolutionary program that will get insane results for people and uh you know in the program and so eventually you know i didn't have a job and it got to the point where i was running on less than you know 500 bucks in my bank account and greg you know he was busy with his other projects and i'm like i need to find a way to get some some money right and I, the one thing i learned early on during this whole thing patrick is that 
you're the only one that's going to make things happen. You're the only one that's going to steer your ship. You're the only one that's going to put money in your bank account. You're the only one that's going to transform your dreams into reality. You're the only one. And you have to fight for it and you have to push for it and you have to be persistent. Because things will come up, other things, if you aren't persistent and consistent. And so I pitched Greg another idea, which was, hey, bro, you know, I know that you got, you know, stuff going on. How about I just launch it on my own with my own platform and do a, a beta test so we have testimonials for when we launch? He's like, dude, great idea, bro. Let's do it. And I was like, yeah, is it cool if I keep 100% of the profit since I'm creating the website and doing everything just to see if it works? He's like, yeah, for sure. So the, I hype this thing up. This is my first product launch ever. I hype this thing up and boom, I do five grand the first day. I'm like, holy, dude, this is freaking nuts. And then I go on to do 20 grand uh, in the, the month of March. And so for me, this was just nuts because, you know, at the time, I, you know, previously the money that I had made before was like $7 or, you know, $9 an hour. So being able to make that much money, it completely shifted my mindset and frame for, uh, you know, making money and being successful online. And so, Patrick, I want to hear your, your thoughts. When was like the first moment you really made some serious money in a short amount of time and it like shifted your paradox or your, your frame for being able to make money and, and live your dreams? Um, it was the day I launched my book, 107 Proven Ways to Get the Girl. Because before then, it was still a little bit of a pipe dream. Um, because I wasn't really making much money, but at the time I probably had like four or 5,000 subscribers on YouTube. I had like a few hundred people on my email list just from grinding on YouTube. But what really set me up for success was I operated under the belief that the more value I added to the marketplace, it would eventually come back around to me. And so every day I woke up and I wrote a fresh email newsletter that was packed with content to all of my email list. And it was, you know, it started out slow with four or five people the day I dropped out of dental school and then grew by not much at all. Right. <laughs> um, because two years later is when I dropped, dropped my book and, uh, and released it. So in that two years, I accumulated a few hundred followers, you know, on, on my email list. But every day I was showing up for them. Every day I was delivering content-driven 1,500-word emails, you know, just telling them how to do things, answering their questions, engaging with them, mm. and then every now and then telling them to go watch my video on YouTube, right? And so when I dropped my book, it was January 30th, 2018, and keep in mind, I knew about six months the whole time I was writing the book, I got the inspiration to write the book in April of 2017. And so from April, I started studying the marketing I needed to, but I knew the fucking plan. It hit me like a moment of inspiration, which is a whole other story as well. But I knew that me creating this book, it was going to work. In my head, this was everything that I had led up to because the only reason I was able to write the sales letter on the current page that sells the book, the free book, by the way, you just pay shipping and handling, that that sales letter, the day I launched it, 100 sales of the book. Wow. I had already sold out my entire inventory. I only had enough money in my savings to buy 100 copies of the book. Holy shit, the first day you sold out. Yeah. Did you sell out from cold traffic, affiliates? My email panic? list. Just your email list. My email list. How many people did you have on your email list? 386. 386. And yeah. you, so you had like a 30% conversion rate, essentially. Everybody who landed on the page bought it and bought serious? additional programs, like the upsells. Damn. So everybody that landed on your sales page bought your book? Not every single person, but 
um, I made a hundred sales. So okay. I had a uh, 386 on my email list and like a couple grand on, on YouTube. So I would, I made a, I went live on YouTube that day. I put a link. Um, I shot it out on my Instagram, which wow. basically had no followers. Um, and then my email list of course was highly engaged cause I was delivering value for them every day for the last two years. And so the day I dropped the book, um, it was also like the first time I, not only is the book great, but I, I'm the, to this day, the only coach dating coach who has a physical book that's free plus shipping. You're the only dating coach. Only, there? only one. And I even told, are you sure? Yeah. Damn. That's nuts, bro. Congrats, um, bro. Dude, that's impressive. So, but here's the thing. All the other dating coaches, I'm pretty tight with them because they all promoted my book and oh, made, helped me grow my list. You know, that's a whole other thing. Uh, made it a lot of affiliate sales for me, you know? And so like uh, Bobby Rio, one of the first people who I even heard of as a dating coach um, is one of my top affiliates for the book. Right. And so uh, I had, that's a whole other story. I had like a big affiliate launch and I had 20 of the top dating coaches, but here's the thing. The only reason I got in the, my foot in the door with all those affiliates offering value I had already launched my book. It was doing well for me, obviously, and for the affiliates because I knew one or two of them. Um, and all you need is one affiliate to start. And if they get results, then they'll keep mailing for you and you're getting data and more data and more data. And then you can take that data and say, hey, to the next affiliate, whether you know them or not, and just go, yo, this person who has a big list mailed for this offer got this result and they did good. And so I believe that because your audience is very similar, you would also do very well commission wise promoting this offer. And so that's the name of the game. And so doing that with a few people who I had known and built a relationship with over the two years previous, um, I had affiliates right off the bat that could test my offer. And by that point, because the sales letter was converting, people were buying the book and we kept buying more inventory so we could keep selling more books. Um, uh, I kind of got led into this private group of where all the dating coaches kind of help each other out and kind of trade trade secrets, if you will. Um, and so I got into the group and the first time, thing I did when I got in the group was I made sure that I came in, people knew who the fuck I was. I wanted to put my flag down. I'm here. I'm Patrick James. I'm Raw Dating Vice. And I've <laughs> been fucking working up to this moment for the last two years. And so I started giving value. And so I wrote it over like three or four blog posts, everything I did to put together my free plus shipping offer, how I wrote the copy, how I got it to convert, what it's been converting at. And then at the end, I asked, I made the offer, which was, I have an upcoming affiliate contest. Do you want to promote my book? And so, uh, and you'll get these commissions and we're in bumping up commissions rates to a hundred percent commission, things like this. And so we said, so I said in the sales letter that I wrote for them. Um, so if you do the math, if they're, if these affiliates are doing these numbers at 75% commission, well, if you have any, what similar success that they do and we bump it up to a hundred percent, here's what those numbers would have been if they were receiving a hundred percent commission. And so I had all the top affiliates, 20 of them mailing my book for two weeks at a, like every day for two weeks, all of them just mailing to this book. And we sold thousands and thousands of copies in that two week period. And I was just like buying more books and buying more books, telling them, Hey, we got to restock the inventory again. And, uh, and so to this day, 
um, that sales letter I wrote is the highest converting version of that sales letter. And so uh, I haven't changed the sales page at all. Anytime I change it, I decrease the conversion rate. And so anyways, raw dating advice has gained a lot of momentum. Uh, even before that, my branding was off. I wasn't even a, branding myself as a dating coach. I was calling myself a charisma consultant because I was like, oh, it's <laughs> different. Nobody's heard of it. But most guys don't go to bed at night thinking I need more charisma. They think I need to know how to get the girl. Exactly. And so I, I, I pivoted. It was the same advice, but now I'm a dating coach and I'm owning it. And I'm raw dating advice. Hashtag raw dating advice. Right. And, and ever since then, it kind of started gaining a little bit more, a little bit of momentum. Right. Enough momentum to where I can launch my book and get 100 people buying my book on day one. And so if you're out there and you're struggling, especially if it's business related, like you just need that first front end converting offer to bring people in the door and give you just like if someone's willing to pay $7.95 for shipping and handling and literally that's the cost it costs me to have this company print these books, store these books in their warehouse and then when I get an order and I send it to them, have someone physically walk up, take that book off the bookshelf, pack it in the fucking package and ship it to your door. That process cost me about $7 and I charge $7.95, it's like $7.78, right? Really? Yeah. So wow. my margin is none. It's literally a free book. You just pay shipping and handling, right? And so, um, for but for me, if someone's willing to trade seven dollars and ninety five cents to receive my book, even though I don't necessarily profit from that sale, that's still someone investing towards me. And if you know anything about human influence, psychology, persuasion, um, commitment, and consistency, when they make that commitment, even though it's seven bucks, a measly $7, that's still more than, Hey, I'm subscribed to this other person's YouTube channel. and I've never paid him a dollar. Exactly. You know? And so a buyer's a buyer. Exactly. And so now my list has quality people on there because I don't let the freebies, the tire kickers on my list to be on my email list and receive those emails where I'm fucking giving value every day. You have to get the book. And, the, and so I'm having a list of highly engaged people who are actually taking action on my shit That's because sick, the book bro. is written to be consumed easily. And so, yeah, we, we've been gaining a lot of momentum. And uh, it's really crazy to hear like how you were such a raving fan. So I have a couple of thoughts going back to your story because yeah. it's the only reason we went on that tangent in the first place. Yeah. But hearing that you were such a raving fan of Kino Body's program, so much so that you were willing to send him fucking sales. You were telling other people about it, word of mouth, right? I find that inspiring, not only from your point, but also from Kino Body's standpoint, because how do I create someone who's gotten such good results from my book and my programs to where they are just telling everybody they know about this shit? You got to get on this shit, right? And then how does that become the spark for them to improve not only just their dating life, but now also financial freedom too, to where they're like, hey, I've made enough sales for you. Would you be willing to send me an affiliate link? I've proved myself as an affiliate. That's inspiring. The other part that's inspiring about that is because you knew I'm making some sales and I don't even know if you had an affiliate link at this time, but you realize I need to get more followers on Instagram so I can make more affiliate sales. I know this because every dating coach I know is basically an affiliate. There's not a lot of them that mm. are just making sales for themselves. Most of them, 80% of them, the 80, 20 rule, 80% of dating coaches I know only make money by promoting other people's products. Mm. Right. And I guarantee most of them are not thinking what value can I add to make more sales for this affiliate? It's more of like a personal gain rather than a value add for most affiliates. So it's a taker mentality. 
It's what a take. take. Exactly. What can I take versus what can I give? Exactly. And that's what I think Greg's key is, is that he, he focuses on every single one of his products. What do I need to put in this product to give my customers the best experience possible? Every single one of his products, he thinks of it that way. And he also creates his programs. He told me, I remember, I still remember one of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten from him is I asked him, I was like, Greg, how do I figure out, like, this was when I was 17 interviewing him uh, in 2017 uh, about entrepreneurship. I'm like, Greg, you know, how do you figure out, you know, what you're supposed to do with entrepreneurship? There's so many different things you could be doing. You know what he told me? He's like, here's what you need to do, Bridger. It's simple. Find a problem that you have for yourself and solve that problem. And if you solve that problem better than anybody else, ask people if they want you to solve it for them. Give that, you know, solution as offer that in the marketplace. It's as simple as that. So think of, that's what I did. I was like, you know what? Why was there not a program out there teaching me how to blow up my followers and become influential yeah. on camera on video? And then, you know, I wish I would have, if I was a Kino body, if I was a Kino warrior and this guy comes out and he's like, he partners with Greg, Hey, Kino gladiator program. You can make money, you know, with the program. I would freaking buy that. And so I create products and programs that I would buy myself. I think that's the biggest key is that you have to find something that, that aligns with you yeah. and not try to find something that aligns with someone else. And that's what he does is he only creates products and programs that he loves. And when he's hundred percent owns his stuff, you lead by example, and that's when other people start to follow us because you're leading by example. Right. The other thing that I found very intriguing about that aspect of your story as well is this man who knew, who likely made money teaching people how to grow on Instagram, gave it to you for free because he saw your passion. And the only other time that I've heard a similar story because, um, being in personal development, you listen to people's audiobooks, you listen to videos that are motivational, inspirational, you know, and you hear like, be passionate, be passionate, you know, do what you're passionate about and whatnot. And, and then you think, but how does that pay my bills? How does passion pay my fucking bills? And most people kind of just leave it at that and they don't actually implement. And so the only other story I heard, which is very ironic, um, I don't know if you know this, but I used to work on Dean Graziosi's marketing team. Hmm. With Brian and Ryan really? and those guys. Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, for about six months. But by this point, this was after my book had already launched. So I was already making about 10K a month for myself um, just with my free book, you know, because people buy additional courses, right? Um, when I was working for Dean and I was making a fraction of that working as an employee. And so ah. it was, it reached a breaking point to where about six months later, it just made more sense for me to go off and do my own thing. And then, you know, a year later, and now I'm like hoping to hit seven figures this year as a company. And that's like, I mean, that just shows the power of getting that first converting offer for you if, you, if you're trying to build an, an offer online. So uh, uh, the, when I was working with Dean, he told a story about how, you know, because Dean Graziosi, for the viewers who or listeners who don't know, he got a lot of money and really wealthy investing in real estate, um, doing, f don't quote me on this, I believe it was fix and flips. Was it fix and flips? I think it was fix and flips, yeah. Okay. So he was doing real estate, became a multimillionaire. And then he started selling programs on how to uh, how to become a real estate investor and become a millionaire like him, right? So he's been on TV for decades doing this, infomercials, it. right? Yep. He said when he was, before he got into real estate, he didn't have enough money to invest in this first real estate deal, but he was interested in it and he was hustling every day, working as a mechanic in his own fucking garage, I remember that. right? And uh, he said one customer came in and saw that he had the passion to, even though he didn't want to be a mechanic, he wanted to be an investor. 
the way he ta- he would talk about it, and he would also um, have so much passion and go getter attitude with his mechanic, even though it wasn't the work he wanted to be doing. He was putting his passion into it still because yep. he had to do it, and he just is that guy who has to do everything the best he possibly can. And he said one customer saw the passion, heard his dream about becoming a real real estate investor, gave him a hundred grand to go invest in his real estate first real estate yep. deal just because of passion. Now that's a, even, even hearing that story, I'm like, did he really give you a hundred grand? Like, I don't know if I fully believe it, but you hear that, but then you hear a story like yours and shit like that actually does happen because had that not happened, you wouldn't be where you are today. Dude, a hundred percent. Same with him. Same thing, man. And it's the biggest, it's insane because when you put out an energy where you're just, you're loving what you're doing, you're freaking, you're on your path, you know, you feel like this is what you're created for. There's three things that I think put you on that path that I believe in is you have to be, number one, you have to be insanely passionate about it. You have to love it. That's step one. But the second thing is that you have to be naturally good. It has to be one of your natural God-given gifts or abilities, right? And the third thing is there has to be either a money-making opportunity or a market or a problem or a need in the marketplace, right? Because if you're super passionate about underwater basket weaving and you're really good at it, but nobody wants to buy it, it's not going to do anything. Nobody's going to, you know, you know, nobody's going to buy that, right? But you have to be in that alignment. I think that's so cool. I remember hearing that that story from Dean as well and in being passionate because I think that one of the universal principles is that how you do one thing is how you do everything. So true. And so I think that he saw that he was doing I'm a what pothead he, one place. I'll be a pothead <laughs> everywhere else, motherfuckers. Dude, 100%. I mean, how you show up to your relationships, how, you sh- how are you going to show up to your business, how you show up in your fitness, how you're going to show up everywhere else. So I think that having a congruency with you know your life is, I think, where the power comes from. And I think that's what Dean was doing is he had the congruency of passion even when that wasn't necessarily what his yeah. main passion was because he knew. That's one thing he knew is he knew that this was a vehicle to get him where he wanted to be. And so even though he wasn't passionate about the actual physical thing, he was passionate about where he was going to be. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's fucking good shit, bro. Dude, it's been fire, bro. What have we not covered? Tell us about the, Dude, tell us about what Bridget Rogers dating, does bro. in his free time. Here's what I'm curious about. Okay. All right. So I've been following you on Instagram since you moved here, basically when we first met. Okay. And, uh, I'm noticing that you're always working out in like these big ass mansions and I'm pretty sure you don't live in a big ass mansion, do you? Or maybe you do. Are you balling like that? <laughs> I mean, I don't work out in a big ass mansion. No, you no. were doing you. There was like this staircase of like stone that comes out of the wall. Oh, and you were oh doing pull-ups that's on my it. girlfriend's house. No shit. <laughs> Damn. Is that her house or her parents' house? Uh, well, it's her parents' house. Yeah. It's a fat house. Yeah, it's sick. Yeah. Newport Beach. Yeah. That's the sick. type of house I'm trying to go to next year when I move out of this place. Dude, it's sick, man. I mean, yeah, no, I mean. It comes down to, you know, uh, you know, just you got to get the right girlfriend, I guess. <laughs> Until you can make it yourself. But. Yeah. You know, what's funny about Kate. Um, so he met Kate. Kate lives here, obviously, and she's yeah. probably hearing us say her name multiple times right now. <laughs> but um, uh, what's funny is when I first started dating her, um, I was in the process of writing my book. And so I already had the blueprint. And I already knew, I just fucking knew it was going to work. I just had to finish the fucking book. Right. And so, um, we started dating around that time, right? Right before I started making any money. And, uh, we, so I was barely scraping by to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. And I remember she was a server and she worked at tilted kilt. She worked at a nightclub. She was, she just got a job doing bottle service at bottle blonde. (laughs) And I was like, yo, that's, that's cool. She's got all these. And I, I just knew because I've had serving experience. Girls just make higher tips. 
because they're girls. Dude, 100%. Right? And so I just assume she's balling, right? But it's summertime, so restaurants aren't really that busy in Arizona during the summer. So she wasn't balling, but she made a comment like, um, well, I got to work so much just in case I got to start paying your bills. And I was like, oh, I got a sugar mama. Like, oh. I was like, nice. Yeah. And then I turned, and then uh, after I started making money, she told me how much she, money she actually had in her bank account. And I realized this girl was paying for my drinks at clubs. She was buying dinner sometimes. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like, obviously I would pay, but she would offer to pay sometimes, at least half the time. And I, I got, I respected her more for it wow. just for putting in the, May, even making the offer. And that was yep. just kind of for me, I didn't like a girl who felt so entitled that she had to make a guy pay for her and it was just assumed, and if you didn't, you're a dickhead, right? If a girl yeah. makes the offer, I respect her way, way more. 100%. And so she would pay for my shit and I thought she was fucking balling because she's a female <laughs> server, um, but she wasn't. She wasn't balling. I, I forget what you... Oh, so I didn't have a sugar mama like you, but I was I was definitely interested at the time. <laughs> oh, man. No, I feel you, bro. But, dude, we need to jump into dating before we hop off here because yes. I definitely have some things for the guys that will definitely help them. So here's what I... I I, uh, what I learned from Brian, who I'm interviewing on Sunday. Okay. So he will be one of the episodes that these guys can binge watch. Brian's um, the homie. You have to listen to the whole interview. Brian, if you've ever been annoyed by seeing, uh, Chris, the Mexican for my, my team, uh, on my YouTube ads and we're flashing the YouTube ads everywhere on YouTube in front of you. Um, Brian is the guy who makes that happen. He runs the YouTube ads. So he's the YouTube ads guru, the YouTube ads genius. And so Brian told me he met Bridger, because a guy, another dating coach that Brian was running YouTube ads for, Bridger had apparently invested in that guy's course. Yep. As we all know by this point, Bridger is an investor and an implementer and then <laughs> eventually <buyer>. becomes connected <laughs> to whoever is coaching him. Yep. So then he became connected <laughs> to the dating coach and then the yep. dating coach who Brian was running their ads was like, yo, you should meet this guy Bridger. He's a real cool dude and he's moving to Scottsdale. Is that kind of right? Dude, 100% right. Okay. So then... Yep. Uh, how did that lead into you dating? So I think that's kind of the, how you got into dating, right? Well, you know what? That guy, uh, he, you know, he was good, but I actually, I actually invested in his coaching, not for the dating. I invested in his coaching because I loved his funnel so much, his oh, marketing. Okay. So this is when I was working for Kino Body, and immediately I was watching a video on YouTube, and his his ad stopped me in my tracks. It was the most genuine, real ad. I watched the whole thing, clicked the link, watched the whole video, and bought right there. Okay. And I don't buy very often. It has to be really fucking good, yeah. right? Um, and so, but when I do buy, I go 100% in. So I bought it and I bought every single upsell all okay. the way to where he had a 45-minute call for like 300 bucks. He's serious about his, like, yeah. so there's some people, I guess I'm trying to increase my upsell take rate. I'm just kidding. But like, uh, yeah, some people think, oh, I'll, I'll buy the upsell if the book's any good. I've had someone email me. Email the support back when I was doing my own support. I don't do that anymore for obvious fucking reasons because you don't want to be the, once you stop scrubbing your toilets, you're never going to go back to scrubbing toilets. I'm just saying. So uh, think about it. People don't email customer support if they're happy. So you get, you get the cream of the crop. It's only a small percentage, but the percentage makes a lot of noise. It's true. So, um, I had a guy who got sent over to my book sales page through an affiliate and this guy didn't have a really good quality list anyways. And it was like, it's like the toxic pickup artist mentality type of list. Right. Oh, and so shoot. this guy goes, well, let me see some infield before I decide to buy your book. I'm like, the book's fucking free. <laughs> and he goes, well, send me the ebook version. So, uh, so I can make a judgment on if I want to buy the pay for the physical book. 
And this guy was just a taker. And I said, honestly, yeah, man, taker, you're probably not the right person to buy the book. I don't recommend you buy my book. In fact, please don't. If you do, I'll end up refunding you and not sending you the book. And I, I like told it. him that. And because I don't want someone like that on my team. I only want the yep. cream of the crop joining raw dating advice. And to yep. be the cream of the crop, you don't have to be have the skills. That's why you're on raw dating advice. You just have to have the right mentality. You can't be a taker. You got to be a giver. You can't be a skeptical Sally. You got to be a fucking action taker, bro. I love it, bro. So um, I told him not to buy my book. And then he threatened to go find it on Torrent and then blast it out everywhere and expose it. And I said, bro, it's already free. Thank you for the free marketing. And then I blocked his ass. <laughs> That's what you have to do with the takers, bro. You block them and you forget about them. That's what I do. Yeah. The block and forget method. But that's so funny. So with my journey with dating, bro, is it's a funny story, man. It's a funny story. I used to suck. That was probably because at this point I was, I grew up, just to give you some background. I grew up in North Idaho. It's a very Christian, very... Uh, traditional way of looking at dating. And my parents even told me I wasn't allowed to date until I was 18. Wasn't even allowed to date. Wasn't even allowed to talk to girls. And so, uh, you know, of course, you know, that didn't happen. I convinced them to date when I was 17. So I started getting out in the field at 17. And, you know, immediately I knew that, that you had to learn. So I started, you know, basically learning. I, I The first thing I screwed up on was texting girls. I had no idea how to text girls. And the Most biggest, guys don't. The, the biggest thing that I found, Patrick, and for those of you guys who are listening, the biggest thing that you can do for, te for texting girls is stop asking questions. That's the biggest thing you can do. Girls hate questions. Statements and commands. Statements and commands. That's the big, that's all I do. Statements and commands. If I'm about to type something, it's not a, it's not a statement or command. I, delete, retype it. Statements and commands. And the big, I'm going to give you right now the best text message uh, freaking date setup ever. This this works literally nine times out of ten. I've yeah. literally gotten so many I can see why we had a mutual client because obviously <laughs> <laughs> we both are interested in the same things. Dude, 100% Patrick. And so if you guys are ready, grab a piece of paper, grab a pencil, grab your journal, whatever. This You're going to want to write this down. You say, listen, I've got Thursday free or whatever day it is right period uh let's grab ice cream at uh you know blank ice cream place they have the best exotic ice cream in Coeur d'Alene or in all Idaho or whatever period cancel all plans we are going boom send simple as that there's not one question in the in there it shows that you're a freaking alpha from the start so it sets the bar high and the biggest thing that I found when it comes to girls is you have to take them along the motion wheel because if they know what's coming they're going to be bored. They're not going to show up and you have to freaking always be bouncing around. So if you, if you're being, you need to be almost be kind of like, kind of like arrogant, kind of assholeish, be kind of like cocky. And then what you need to do is bring it back. Like, Hey, all games aside, you need to be like that real nice, genuine raw, you know, real guy. And that's the biggest thing that I've found. And it could, it, I mean, it, it translates into your relationship. It translates into everything. So that right there is one of the biggest things that I would say hundred percent that's worked for me. Interesting. So what if you said something like, Hey, Let's go grab basement in my, or let's go grab ice cream in my mom's basement. It's got no furniture. The walls are made of concrete, but clear your plans. It'd work. Go. It'd work. I say, say, listen, uh, you, you make a what joke. If you out have of it. nowhere Exaggerate that, it, make a joke out of what it. What if you, there's nowhere to get ice cream though nearby? You pick something. Does it have to be from? ice cream? Come on. It could be anything, anything. Okay. So, so what I meant to say was it could be anything. Let's go pick up some Pizza. weed from my drug dealer. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. it could be anything. So you pick something 
You pick your favorite place. And the biggest thing that I also found is don't ever think, don't try to be a nice guy. Be like, oh, I wonder what, I wonder what she would like. I wonder what, you know, that comes later when you're in the relationship. Yeah. Right now you need to worry about you because you don't even know if this person's worth your time yet. Be nice to. So you need to be like, you know what, where do I want to go? If I'm going to spend my time, even if she's, you know, boring, whatever, I'm going to at least enjoy the food, enjoy the meal. Right. Yeah. That's what you want to do. So pick pizza, whatever your favorite place is. Or I was teaching guys during quarantine how to do quarantine dates. You know, it's funny. I actually did a dating offer. I said, you know what? Let's send it. I did a dating offer um, and did like brought on like a couple coaching clients just for fun. And that was fun. That it's the funniest. It's so fun working with guys that are, yeah. getting, you know, helping them get unghosted where they're getting results. But yeah, um, yeah so, uh, you know, I think it could be anything. I think that it also it, it, the thing is that the girls don't care if you have any money. If you are, there's three things that I think a girl is looking for, right? First off, they're looking for obviously money. That's the gold diggers, right? And if you leverage that point, you're going to, you're never going to know if you have a real genuine relationship, but if you're just trying to get laid, it'll work. The second thing is fame. Fame is like a hundred X multiplier because for some reason, girls like a guy that has massive social proof, right? And the third thing, which is obviously, you know, is that good looks do work. Good looks work. And, uh, you know, I think that if you can somehow also play off of the fourth one which is confidence girls they want a guy that's certain that's confident it's alpha that's a leader right so i'm gonna play the devil's advocate here okay let's go so if a girl so the three things looks work sometimes the gold diggers are looking you have to for have money. the confidence though underneath all of them. and then what was the third thing a fame fame all right so devil's advocate so are you saying that if a guy does not have fame or good looks or any money then he is worse off on landing the girl. If he he could be. I think that 100% if you give a guy good looks, uh-huh. a nice car, a nice place, you know, wealth, freedom, and you give him fame, mm. I think that he's going to beat the guy that has the – as long as like if the guy with confidence, like confidence is the number yeah. one. Above everything else, confidence and being a girl feeling safe and secure is the number one thing. 100%. So you don't need that stuff. Yeah. And, and in fact, I actually told my guys that it's better that you're broke now. Yeah. Finding your dream girl if you're trying to find a relationship because otherwise you're never really going to know if, if, if it's 100% real. reason I asked that question is because the I didn't start really making any real money until I got into a relationship, honestly. So the entire time, all the stories I told you yesterday, all the stories I've told this motherfucker, all the stories in my book, I was a broke-ass motherfucker. It, it doesn't matter, yeah. And also, my entire fucking life, I've been the fat kid, and I've been the guy who thought, I can't get girls because I have a big nose. I have a big fucking nose. <laughs> All right? I didn't even notice that till now. Yeah, because I got swag for days, brother. <laughs> Dude, that's mad funny. Yeah, so you probably, like... You probably weren't famous either. You weren't like the captain of your football field. That was your, nope, your best I friend. Was, that was my best friend. I was in the shadow. But you had to work on your personal development and your confidence before you got the girl? Straight up. Okay, good. It was the self-belief. Okay, good. Self-belief yeah. and confidence. That's what I think is the... the and the willingness thing. to take action and improve along the way. And, and courageous. That comes from confidence, though. Courage I had no confidence. confidence. I told the story... You didn't uh, have any confidence when you are picking up your girls? What... When I started. Oh, when you started. Okay. I got confidence the, as I saw progress. Yes. But I was telling him the other day, it was uh, on uh, on the Dating Advice channel, literally uh, the first approach I did, because here's how fucking shielded I was, kind of like how you've never heard of the uh, flat earth theory. Uh, <laughs> this is, I was the same way. I didn't know it was a thing to approach women. For the first 22 years of my life, I didn't know people did that. 
I had heard of pickup artists, but I thought that was like a, a fad, kind of like scooters, you know? Wow. And so when I would go out to bars and nightclubs with my friends from college, my social circle, I would just talk to my friends while I was there. And I would even complain, I can't even hear my friends talking while we're at this club because the music's so loud. But I didn't realize, oh, you can, can you can talk to girls that you don't know and actually pick them up. And oh, by the way, you don't have to do that at a bar or nightclub too. You can do it anywhere. Anywhere you find where you see a girl that you think is attractive. So I was so shielded and sheltered that I didn't even realize it was a thing. So when I realized it was a thing, I was like, oh shit, okay, well, let's, mm -hmm. let's go try it. I was so mm -hmm. fucking nervous. And I'm, I'm normally like, I had a, a reputation in college. Um, and this is around the time where I had zero game. I had a reputation in college. Patrick is just as surprised at the words that come out of his, out of his mouth as everyone else, because <laughs> I just have no filter and I own it. Right. And so, uh, and so I had no problem just talking, but the strategy was wrong. I didn't know how to attract. I didn't know how to create tension. I didn't know any of that stuff. And so when I approached, it was like anything I'd ever known about conversation just out the window is like you're fucking blank. And so the first couple of times I talked to a girl I didn't know, um, I couldn't speak above a whisper because all of a sudden my mouth was dry and my throat was dry and I had, had to keep drinking water to fucking clear my throat and so I could speak. I couldn't speak above a whisper. The fuck mm -hmm. the, and then the third girl I approached, um, I was just so awkward that she gave me her phone number because she felt sorry for me. <laughs> Did she ever text you back? Oh, and by the way, when I got into game, no, she never said, she told me not to text her cause she, she was engaged. Oh, <laughs> she gave you her number. Yeah, dude. I gotta, that's bad. Funny. So that reminds me of a story that I'll tell you. Remind me of okay. a funny ass story that, yeah. Okay, we'll get into that. <laughs> I had braces this entire time. I had braces from the age of 20 to 24. Okay, imagine that. Half the, a lot of the stories I tell about me yep. going like losing my virginity, getting into dating advice, getting into dental school, um like all this stuff, I had fucking braces, picking up chicks with braces and a big ass fucking nose <laughs> and no with confidence. No money. With no, no money. Nobody knows who you are. No, not famous. No fame. Right? And the looks, you say the looks aren't there. I and I had, I dude. thought I was an ugly dude. Okay. I thought, because you don't have any, you don't, you're, you're not trying to explain, yeah. you're, you just try to make sense of why you're not getting the girls. So you think it's because, oh, I, I need to be buff. I need to be ripped. I was ripped. I got ripped. I did P90X, like I said, every day for three years. And then I got buff after that. I wasn't getting girls. I had braces, so I thought it was a braces. I had a big nose. I thought it was a big nose. I thought there had to be something wrong with me. It's the energy and the confidence, right? It, it was that? because I, I was too nice. Uh, it was at the end of the day, I was just really just too nice. And so it, me overcoming the nice guy behaviors was me learning that I could approach women and then learning when you approach them, don't be so fucking nice right off the bat. Don't be the guy who tries to get to know everything about them and have the interview and ask them fucking questions you don't give a shit about. Right. I was great at connecting with women. I was terrible at attracting them, which is why I wrote my book. Like you said, you get good at something that you struggle with and then you get so good that you get other people to want to hear your input and you ask them if they'd be interested in, in hearing your advice. Right. Yep. That was me. And so I wrote the book 107 Proven Ways to Get the Girl as the front end of my business, as the person who greets you at the fucking door, the free book teaching you how to attract women because that was the shit I was missing when I was 
guy who had no confidence trying to figure out why I'm not getting any girls, but great at holding conversation because I have no filter. Uh-huh. Right. So whether you're not, you have no filter or you're introverted or you just blabbermouth like me. If you don't know how to attract her, you're not going to attract her period. And so that's why I wrote the book. And that's why it's about attraction. Right. I love it, bro. That's fire, bro. Drop the mic, it. bro. Yeah. Drop the mic. I get into it. Dude, I love it, bro. Yeah. That's that's incredible story, man. I mean, I think that's where it all all I think that's you know what I think uh that's why I think so many guys look up to you is because you have the hero's journey. Yeah. Because what I teach right now is uh, I'm teaching guys basically how to do what I do, which is how to become, you know, respected fitness influencer on Instagram, grow on Instagram and, and things like that. And so one of the things that I tell them is it it doesn't matter if you have the most insane physique ever, it doesn't matter if you have the most insane Brad Pitt genetics or physique or body ever, because guys don't care what you look like. If you didn't look like them right now, if you can't connect to them, the connection is the biggest thing when it comes to your audience. Like, you know, you being able to tell that story, guys have something about them that they don't like. For me, it was me being skinny. So I can relate to you on, you know, the big nose thing. Right. And everybody out there has a deficiency. We're not perfect. And so them being able to connect to you on that and then you going on your journey now do, living your dreams, they now believe that you can guide them there too. And so I think that that's like just such a cool story to hear and, and you know, that whole journey because there's so many guys that can relate to that, you know, having the braces, losing your virginity, you know, like 21, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's nuts, man. So <laughs> he's like, I'm not even 21 yet. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I mean... That's just, that's awesome, bro. So, man, that's a hell of a story though, bro. 107 yeah. ways. Dude, you know what's funny? When I when I first met you and heard of you, I was like 107 ways. Where'd the number 107 come from? So, one of the first, I actually met this guy in person when I was working for Dean, but Russell Brunson. So, I had been learning about online marketing, um, learning how to build my business because I dropped out of dental school. I had to figure it out. You know, and I knew nothing. All I knew was email list ebook. Okay, but I, how to sell it, how to write the copy. And I didn't know any of that by the time I dropped out. But when I dropped out, I didn't know what I didn't know. I thought I knew, but I didn't know. I was like, oh, you just make an ebook and throw it online and it, it, you just, you're a millionaire. <laughs> like, and, and honestly, I didn't, even the book that 107 Proven Ways to Get the Girl, when my mentality shifted from this is how you make money to provide results and you will make money. That's when I started making money, right? Dude, when I 100%. became results focused. And that was a big lesson learned for me um, back in 2016 when I first fucking was like launched, creating more products and stuff, right? Um, so anyways. Here, I want to stop you right yeah. there. That is such a fire thing that he just said right there is that when he shifted from focusing on making money, which is essentially taking, making money yeah. or t- taking money from people. It's like I give the value so you'll buy my shit. Exactly. When he shifted from taking money trying to trick them or take their money. I was not tricking them. Here's the thing. My product was still good. It was good. Wait, it's, I still sell it to this day. It's a magnetic personality formula. I put everything I know into it. Right. So I figured I put it, it's good. Why are not, why are people Mm. not buying it? And so I had to learn the marketing. Right. And so it wasn't until I learned how to be a marketer and how to give value Mm -hmm. that I started actually selling anything, but the Mm. product itself was great. Like I still sell it. All the products I've ever created, I still sell to this day because they're all fire because they came from personal experience. So maybe the marketing shifted from, it was the marketing then. So the marketing shifted from. So that's kind of brings back into what, oh, the original thing was, um, so Russell Brunson, why did I bring up Russell Brunson? You asked me a question. Because you met him and the 107 ways. What's the 107? Yeah, so he had a, so 
when I read Russell Brunson's books, mm-hmm. it was like all the pieces pieces that I'd learned in the past, anything that I'd uh, YouTube videos, podcasts, books, all these things that I couldn't get to fit together and make it work. When I read his books, it was like all the pieces finally fell into place and I saw what I needed to do. Mm. So I came up with the business plan right there. I'm going to write a, a free book. And I'm going to give it away. I'm going to move the free line in my business. I'm going to give value and provide results up front. Hmm. Then I'm going to get them on my email list. I'm going to give even more value. And then I'm going to create, and this is literally my business model, right? And then I'm going to create a membership to where I cannot have to just sell you a new program and a new program and a new program. I create one membership and I give you as much value as possible to give you the result in that one membership, right? So obviously the longer you say, the more you get to work with me intimately and the more, the better your results get. And so that's Mm -hmm. kind of, it's a real coaching business. Unlike most businesses, which is like, I'm going to sell as much as this and gear up for this launch and only create it so I can make sales and hopefully, regardless of if people get value or not, because I want the sales. And then I'm going to create the next thing. And then the next thing. And then the next thing. I said, how do I actually become a coach who's on their side who actually wants to provide the results? So it's free book. I bring you in the door. I wow you with the results that you get. If you want to work deeper with me as your coach, you join the membership. If you want to work even deeper and get that in-person environmental exposure, you come to my boot camp. And I focus on the fucking trifecta. I don't launch new things just for the sake of launching new things. I don't promote things just for the sake of putting money in my fucking bank account. I give value and I trust it'll come back to me and it's worked. And that's why we're gaining momentum. And so, um, I think that's what did that, is that actually answered the original question? What was the original question? Oh, where the number 107 come from? So Russell Brunson has a offer called, he had a book that he was using. 107 this, fun, funnel. Sequences. It was a hundred, it was 108 proven split test oh, winners. Yes. 108 proven split test winners. I, I actually have the book. Um, but, I was like, okay, his Russell Brunson's whole thing is about modeling success. At the end of the day, it's uh, modeling what is already working. Model success, and that's just like with any area of your life. You wanna you wanna improve your results. You find someone who has success, and you model success. You model what they're doing, and better, even better, you get in in contact with them. You get to know them. You network with them, right? And so that's. The lesson here, but uh, so I, I wanted to model success. 107 proven split test winners, or 108 proven split test winners. So th- when I wrote the book, I wrote the book with the intention of calling it 107. I, I changed it from 108 because I know that 107 just sounds better, and so it's an odd number. 107 proven ways, and I, it was originally called 107 proven attraction power moves because a lot of people who've been following me since way, way back in the day, one of my bonuses was uh, attraction power moves. And I thought it was a cool bonus. I thought it was a cool name. But so the whole, so I wrote the whole fucking book, the current book with calling everything an attraction power move, an attraction power move. But then I realized I don't want this thing to just be something that the 386 people who follow me and know about attraction power moves by. I said, how do I make this so it speaks to more people? Cold traffic. Cold people traffic. Never heard of you. Cold traffic, right? And so I realized people don't know what an attraction power move is, but they know that they want to get the girl. So I changed 108 to 107. I kept proven and I changed it to 107 proven ways to get the girl. And the manuscript was already written. I just did control F, you know, find attraction power move and replace with get the girl, basically, you know? And so it worked. It's the same fucking message. And obviously it resonates with a lot of guys because I get people 
commenting on my shit all the time. Yeah, the book is actually legit. Yeah, it's all that and a bag of chips. Patrick, you're the number one dating coach in the world. And it's like just because he read my book and got that good of results. So I moved the free line in my business and I modeled it from from uh, Russell Brunson That's uh, sick, providing bro. the results up front. You know, I love that, man. Wow. So, dude, that's incredible. So, dude, how many people got on the email list? The people, how many, how many people have the book now? Uh, so right now, I don't want to reveal the actual number. I don't. I'm not. I, that's not a number I want to reveal. Just because I know in online marketing, and you know just as well as I do, that um, people take it to be like a, a pissing contest. Like, oh, my list is bigger than yours, and I'll just say my list is not the biggest in the in the industry. But I know for a fact it's the most powerful. Dude, I believe it. I respect, bro. Yeah. Doesn't matter, dude. Doesn't matter how big, bro. Thousand true fans, man. Yeah. Thousand true fans, 100%. So that's sick, dude. Well, dude, I'm, I'm pumped for you, dude. I think that you're going to continue to crush it because I think the biggest thing that you do with the business that I think really sets you apart from a lot of these other dating coaches is you have the give in mind first. You move the free line. You're giving results first, giving value first. And when people have that, the reciprocity bias, man, in the brain. People are naturally going to be, dude, he gave me all this value. It was like with Greg. They give me all this value. I feel indebted to him. That's how I felt. I was like, dude, I mean, good people who are givers, they're going to want to sell your programs for you. They're going to want to recommend you. They're going to want to shout you out. Yeah. And I think that that is such a big thing that I want to make sure I always include in any future businesses for myself as well because that's just what I think all the greatest companies out there have. Yeah. Like I've seen some fucking scammy shit out there dude, and it's just because dating. you can especially in especially dating, in dating I, i'm not going to name any names but there's one that's <laughs> there's one guy who was modeling the same type of free business model like the free move the free line but he was selling what i would consider snake oil because he's selling you the scent of colognes to buy but he's selling it for a higher ticket higher and then he, he sells you an additional program and it's just even more sense to buy and it's like you're telling me what cologne to buy. That's, That's so your fucking solution. That's so low value. Yeah. He's taker. Taker, bro. You know? Straight taker, bro. Snake oil. Snake oil, bro. The snake oils never get anywhere, bro. They'll trick a couple people in, then guess what happens? Word of mouth. Yeah. The takers and the givers both get word of mouth. Refunds, chargebacks, you yep. name it. Which word of mouth do you guys want? Do you want the giver word of mouth where you've got people saying, this guy changed my life. He's giving me so much value. Or do you want, this guy screwed me over. This guy scammed me. Do you want to be given the D or you want to be taking the D motherfuckers? <laughs> exactly. That's how you guys got to think of it. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should end on that note. Dude, I think we should end on that. That was mad fun, bro. Yeah, man. Good. All right, Patrick. Well, Thank you the so man, much. Bro. We got to have Thank you on again in the future. We're going to grow and I want people to be coming back on, you know, those podcasts that have been around for decades. I'm talking about the one that specifically got sold for a hundred million to Spotify, Joe Rogan. You notice he has people on over and over again because people audience, you know, that, that cult like following, they love to grow with you. And I know that this channel, we're starting it from scratch. I have a channel that's successful. Why am I starting a channel from scratch? Again, this is not for the money. This is for the passion. I am passionate it. about fucking having conversations. I'm passionate about just sitting down and creating content in a fucking uh, a platform that doesn't have a box I have to fit into. I can make the box whatever the fuck I want to make it, and that's the shit that inspires me. And so uh, I just want to, I want you to be one of those fucking people we got to have back on. They got to grow with you too, Dude, seeing you progress over time on this podcast. Dude, I'm pumped, man. I'm freaking pumped to be back. I'm pumped to drop some more value. It was it. your first podcast. Yeah, it was my first podcast. So any when you're on more podcasts coming up soon, because you're a youngin, you're gonna, be, you're <laughs> just starting in the game. You're coming into your prime. Right, we're gonna look back on this, and you're gonna say, "My first podcast My was raw and relentless. <laughs> it was raw. It was real. 
We dropped it with the boy raw dating yeah. advice. It wasn't a boring fucking podcast like every other podcast that gives personal yeah. development advice where they have to stick in this fucking box yeah. and they all sound like each other. This is raw and relentless. It's fucking personality driven. It's entertaining. We talk about whatever fuck we want to talk about. Aliens, baby. Aliens. UFOs. If I want to fucking talk about aliens, I'm going to fucking do that shit because the fucking top podcast in the world, Model Success, got sold for $100 million to Spotify for only three or four years. What the fuck? Dude, you're coming up. Again, it's not about the money. It's about the passion. It is, bro. And you keep this up, bro. Valuetainment, the boy Patrick Bet David, he made a prediction in the next five to ten years, a podcaster will get a $1 billion contract with somebody. And that could be you, bro. So I want to stay inspired to stay on your path. Do, you, do we have it? time for another quick story? Dude, quick story. Let's do okay. it. Okay. Because I told this story in a, on a on a separate podcast. I forget which channel it was on, <laughs> but we literally set, told it in this studio. Oh, it was with Clark. Okay, maybe go check out Clark's interview because I told this story. Because I think this might be fucking... Talk about Law of Attraction. I talked about on Clark's podcast. I don't believe... I never believed in Law of Attraction until I started smoking weed. And I only started smoking weed because I realized I, be, I came up with more creative solutions when I smoked after I'd worked all day. And I come, came up with creative solutions to my business, which honestly is the foundation of what Raw Dating Advice is today. A lot of them were high ideas late at night after I've been working and my brain can't think anymore. You know, and so... Um, when I started smoking weed before, I was too right brain. I was too logically driven. I was too like, where's the data? Where's the proof? And I was less about trusting the process, feeling the energy, law of attraction. I thought it was very woo-woo. Clark is a very big law of attraction guy, right? And so um, mm -hmm. when I told him this, it really stood out to him. And now you just connected another dot for me because you brought up what I also saw in that valuetainment where he's like, I predict in the next five to 10 years, there will be a $1 billion podcast and likely be a podcast that started today. And it was kind of some one of those messages, right? On Clark's podcast, you can go watch the episode after this one. Um, literally, I had a dream uh, and I don't pay attention to the lottery at all, but I had a dream as I was coming out of sleep, super vivid that I had won a billion dollar lotto. And I looked at the lottery ticket in my dream and it said mega millions lotto. And I'm probably like a lot like you to where we, unless it has to do with our business or what we're working on, we don't pay attention to it. We kind of get tunnel vision, right? And so I wasn't paying attention to the fucking lottery. I've never looked into, I've, I don't buy the lottery because to me it's like, why am I gonna just buy a ticket where I have almost zero chance of winning, right? And it's so- so I won a specifically a billion dollars because in my dream, it was so vivid. I had already processed like what it mentally felt like to have a billion dollars and realize that I won it for doing nothing. And so when I woke up that morning and I vividly saw million, Mega Millions Lotto on the lotto ticket in my dream, I was like, how crazy would it be if I looked up Mega Millions right now and it was at a billion dollars? And I don't know if you know this. You probably don't because you're a teenager. And the first time <laughs> I learned it, I was your age in college. Mm -hmm. But it's very rare that the Powerball or the Mega Millions gets to a billion. It's always like 34 million, 100 million. The only reason it gets that high is because they haven't had a winner for that long. So that's how the money builds up. And that's why it changes. Because all the money from the lotto tickets go into that big ass pot. And so the it got up to a billion. And I was like, the stars fucking aligned, and I have that dream on the day that it happens to become a big ass story. It's at a, a billion. Tell me you bought a lottery ticket and you won. I bought a lottery <laughs> ticket and I'm a secret billionaire. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. In the making. Yeah. So I bought a lottery ticket and long story short, I didn't win. But the crazy part is I, I was so convinced that I was going to win. I bought the lottery ticket and I, I in my head, 
there was no doubt that I was going to win. Just like there was no doubt that when I wrote my book, it was going to take off. It was the same level of conviction because it was so vivid in my dream. And so... Did you say you were so convinced you were going to win or you weren't? I, I bought the lottery ticket and in my head it was the winning lottery ticket. Okay, you were so convinced it Because was. the drawing okay. was in the future. And, and so I was like, Kate, before next Tuesday, we're going to move into this house uh, in Las Vegas because I want to move <laughs> to Las Vegas and, and we're going to get these security guards because... Um, you know, when you, it's sometimes public information, the lottery ticket numbers depending or winner, depending on the state you live in. So I didn't know if Arizona was one of those states where they don't make it anonymous. So if it's not anonymous, now media is coming to you. Everybody's coming after you for your money, you know? And so you got to prepare for that fucking influx of money really quick and potentially fame at the same time, just a momentary fame. Cause you're just the guy who won the lottery one, that one time. Right. Yep. So in my head, I had already won. I didn't end up winning, but how crazy would it be if that dream was manifesting into the podcast and the podcast becomes that billion dollar fucking empire? I'm telling you, it's possible, bro. Anything's possible. The moment I knew anything was possible was the moment I was flying back from Grego Gallagher's mansion after I'd literally been dreaming. I declared it. I was like, you know what? I told my buddies, I'm like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be hanging out with Grego Gallagher. I'm going to meet him one day. And I freaking wrote it up. I wrote it on my vision board. I imagined it. I just kept visualizing it, and boom, it happened, bro. So I'm telling you right now, it can happen. Be consistent. Believe it can happen, bro. And have me on the podcast when you when you when you hit the billion on Spotify. Hell yes, bro. on Spotify, <laughs> wherever Yo, it is. Where, I'll pass that fucking that barrier, the barrier to entry. You got you got to let me be the number one. Yo, I can actually hear your voice. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, we can hear you for the last two hours. <laughs> no, no, you can hear me. You can hear me. Okay. I, was, I was just getting real deep. Yeah, get in there, all nice and deep, like. All right, man. All right, well, dude, it's been a pleasure. I gotta hop off, but later, guys. You're the man, brother. Peace out. Peace.